Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. Podcast, your weekly distraction from quality podcast content. We are here today with a guest co-host, Mr. The Song of My People, Blaine Upton, a fellow Carolinian down from the South. And our guest tonight is Justin Jones. And uh far as I know up to this point, because I hadn't been corrected, brother of Jessica Jones. What's up, Justin? How are you? Good. How are you? Good, man. How's it? How's it feel to feel to be the younger brother of a of a famous, you know, uh, private investigator? <laughs> Great, I guess. Up until this moment, <laughs> know who that was? Oh, really? See, you're now. Now you just don't want to talk about her on the podcast, and that's fine. I get it. This is your podcast. <laughs> She's famous and gets all the attention. I see how it is. Blaine, what's up, Holmes? What's going on, man? It's been a long time, feel like. It's been probably, what, a couple of months since I've seen you. So it's good to see that beard and still on the face. And, you know, your Facebook lives are you smoking meat on 4th of July. That was pretty good. So <laughs> been appreciated yeah, that I, content. I needed that. I, I like to hop on there and act like the fool every now and again for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, I want to let you know, Alex still is, is salty about how how we messed with him on the opening of your episode. He's still as salty about that. I Dude, mean, that was perfect. Was, it, it was. Yes, it was. It worked out great. It looks like looks like you're on vacation there, Blaine. What's up with that? Yeah, man. Finally, uh, finally got a little break away. Headed down to Folly Beach. Figured out. Uh, figured what better time to come on here than when I'm completely relaxed and uh, having a good time. So. Went a line a couple times down here chasing redfish and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, just good to get away from everything. Ignore the emails. Ignore the uh, phone calls. and Get away from it all, man. I've needed it for a while. Well, I mean, it's just like having Alex on the podcast right now since your audio is a little crackly. Uh, but you're, you're like two and a half of Alex's height. So, um, and you don't have a good raspy voice like he does, but we'll roll with it. Justin, buddy, how are you today? Good, man. I just got back to the house a little while ago. Uh, went out to the river, went flipping today up in the Aquaha. So I'm in uh, central Florida, uh, and uh, the Aquaha feeds off of a lake called Lake Griffin over by me. We went up there, caught about 60 fish today, no big ones, but had a good day. 
Is that where Peter's from? Who the hell is Peter? Peter Griffin. <laughs> from Family Man, Family Guy. The family Man. The Family Man. <laughs> oh, Lord. Is, no, doesn't man. know who I Jessica Jones down. is. Doesn't know who Peter Griffin is. I know who Peter Griffin is, but you just expect me to know who he is off the bat. We, uh, you just said you knew who he was. and then Peter, Peter's bass, though. You said Peter, and there's a lot of people <laughs> in the world. So, so did you hook into anything today? I didn't get any big bites, but uh, a buddy of mine, Joseph, that I fished with, uh, also had it worse for me. Uh, he lost two, I'd say, between the seven and nine-pound range. But mm. my biggest fish I caught today was about four and some change, and – uh, like I said, we caught a bunch of small ones, but uh, had a good day nonetheless. I mean, Bro, day- Joseph has got to be the absolute king of losing big fish. I, I think he has <laughs> lost more big fish in front of me and heard about than about anybody I know. Dude, I, you remember that stretch we went and flipped the day that my live well broke and my bullet? Correct, and we almost sank. So we started on that stretch. That he, yeah, little little short story. Uh, we're on. Griffin in my, I had a yellow and red 20XR, and uh, we're going across the lake, sit down, start flipping a stretch, and uh, my automatic bilge pump kicks on, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. I strip into my boxers, get in the water, make sure there's no hole in the bottom of my boat. <laughs> Lo and behold, my live well is cracked down the center and you couldn't see it. So it just, you know, bullets just have a research. So it just keeps putting new water in there and it's supposed to dump out. Well, it was just pumping water over and over and over. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Blaine are going down in the middle of the lake anyways, but we got that figured out um, in the middle of a tournament too. Nonetheless, That was the worst part. It was like, do we take out or is it not bad enough? Yeah. (laughs) No, you got to keep fishing. If we, the boat sinks, you got insurance, but you got to keep fishing in tournament situation. Yeah, we, we dealt with that. Uh, but we went back to that same stretch today. Uh, and about a quarter of the way down, Joseph, you know, I was retying some stuff. Uh, he takes a troll motor. He makes one flip into the mat, and I'm watching him, and the mat rolls. You know, it picks up. And I'm like, oh, boy. And he sets the hook on it. Line starts singing. Fish, my people. fish is 10 miles underneath the boat. Comes up on the other side of the boat. <laughs> did, did you just wait until, you know, you thought it was out of the matter? Or I, he's like, I thought I got bit, but I didn't know. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> you know, seven pounds. And then uh, the next one he lost, I couldn't blame him. We get up. You know, the Akwaha has a bunch of, you know, dollar-sized pads, little little patches, you know, maybe about yay big around, and they're isolated. So we pitch jigs to them, and it's kind of a current fit. It's not. It's got current because it's dammed. So they have the dam open just a little bit. Um, so you kind of got a lot going on. You know, you're pitching those isolated pads. You know how pads are when you're flipping them. They're already a pain. Uh, he flips in a little group, and I watch the pad shake, and, his line starts swimming sideways and he sets the hook and it gets all up in the pads and she came up to the top. Her mouth was wide open, a big one. And all of a sudden you watch his jig go flying, flying out of her mouth. So meanwhile, I'm over here begging for a big bite and I can't get one. 
It's well, look, and Pat Dial's, yeah, Pat Dial's first story. If y'all would have sunk, Blaine's tall enough. Hell, he'd have still been ankle deep as all. Yeah, hold, holding the boat up. <laughs> my wife's my wife's favorite insult is "you gumby looking motherfucker." So, <laughs> well, it makes sense. You're wearing a green shirt today, too. I, I, I I'll be honest. So I knew Blaine's wife before I knew him, and came here uh, from South Carolina and she had made a post about somebody taking him fishing. And that's how I met Blaine because well, Joseph hooked us up and he's like, we'll go with Justin. So I meet Blaine for the first time ever at my house at like five 30 in the morning. And I see him and that's the first thing I said, I, I love him to death. I was like, that's goofy. <laughs> well, hey, it- Blaine told the story on our podcast, but you got to listen to the KBN version of the story of how goofy he is when he's got like an eight pound bass and he keeps kicking it out the damn kayak. Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't define his goofiness, then I I don't know what else will. Got to uh, watch him catch his first giant flipping. So, y'all are talking about the same fish. So, yeah. Oh, well, you didn't watch me catch the one on Santee. The one on Santee is the one he's talking about. I watched you catch an eight-pounder in the river, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're so, – so we get the, – the first trip, We I first day I ever met Blaine, you know, we get up, uh, we go to the Withacoochee, which is probably about 30 minutes from me. Uh, we get there and we start fishing. You know, he fishes that godforsaken Lake Murray all the time. So – we're we're literally matted out hydrillos, mats, hyacinths, you know, pennywort, all that stuff. And he's wanting to throw a fluke. He's throwing a fluke out in the middle. And I'm like, I'm going to keep flipping. I'm going to keep flipping. I said, watch, it'll happen. So my first bite, probably about an hour and a half into our day, somewhere around there, two hours maybe, my first real bite, I set the hook on it, stuck in hydrilla. You couldn't see it. He's digging for it. And I'm like, man, I hope it's still on there. And all of a sudden, all you just – He's huge. He's huge. And the fish comes out of the mat, swings, goes in the boat, and it's, you know, seven pounders somewhere around there. And uh, after that, I don't think it got the fluke ever got picked up again. <laughs> no, I, I literally held one rod the rest of the day. And uh, one rod. <laughs> on to catch uh, 34 and some change his mm. trip to Florida. So uh, to actually go bass fishing. <laughs> So you need to go down there specifically to do it. Yeah. Um, You're in Central Florida. What 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 town or city are you near in that Central Florida for people that don't know where the Duque River and Lake Griffin is? I would say the closest thing to me that people might know is Ocala. That's about 30 minutes from me. Uh, Tampa, Orlando is about an hour, hour and a half from me. So... Um, those are probably the closest things. I'm in Inverness, yeah. which little no-name country bumpkin, you know, nothing town. I bet it ain't his country. From, he's 30 minutes from the kayak capital of the United States, though, Crystal River, which has – that's where all the springs are, man. That's why everybody likes to go kayaking up there. But it, the fishing sucks. <laughs> I bet your country bumpkin town ain't no, as country bumpkin as my town. Uh, probably not. Mac B. Mac B. Yes. About 800 people, one stoplight. Used to be the speed trap of America for about 25 <laughs> years running. 
Um, yeah. Hey, it's so damn country that my first period class my senior year was, was I went and worked at the fish hatchery. <laughs> That's that's country as all get out there. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. Well, man, what what has brought you to where we are right now with you sitting on this terrible podcast with ugly ass Blaine Upton and myself? What what has brought you here? What is your first fishing journey up to this point? I I mean from the start. It, you can start wherever you want because I don't nobody know the truths or the facts, so you can make shit up. I mean, it don't yeah. matter. Yeah. I mean, I started fishing uh, when I was really, really young. I'd say about five. Um, and, you know, obviously, you, you take that it's worth. You, you think you're fishing, but you ain't really doing anything. You know, <laughs> uh, you're learning. Yeah, so I kind of grew up. Uh, uh, in and out of uh, my parents' household, so my grandfather pretty much raised me when I was younger, and then indefinite when I was ten. And I lucked out, you know. My grandfather owned be right on the lake here uh, that I live about five minutes from. So that was kind of my getaway, you know. Even when I was younger, when I went to my grandpa's, I was on I was on the water, whether it was bank fishing or I had a little canoe, um, and then. I got my first John boat, you know, with a nine, nine on it. And it was game over. You know, I was the shit. I had <laughs> anything that anybody ever wanted, you know, and I didn't even have a troll motor. We used to, I still remember it like it was yesterday. We used to, I turned my uh, carburetor like where it would almost flood out to where that thing was like barely idle. And we'd <laughs> leave in gear and we'd go down these pad lines with my motor in gear, throwing frogs just letting it idle because I didn't have a troll motor. So uh, the fact of, you know, where I am now today, uh, obviously I've, I've owned uh, 60 plus boats. Um, yeah. <laughs> look, y'all, look, y'all, when, when you hear somebody say that, the first thing pops into your mind should be you can't fuck with money. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, and he's my age. That's the bad part. I mean, he's 26, 27 years old. I mean, he just he he wears them like he does outfits, man. He he gets used to one and before I know it, it's like, "Hey, man, I'm so yeah. you, you know anybody might want it." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> little fact about me. I like having uh different stuff and I kind of figured out a little niche when I was about 15. Uh, that I could buy something, fix it, make it better, and resell it and make money. Well, little did I know that that would turn into like one of my biggest hobbies ever. So, uh, like I said, the boat's in my garage that I bought about a month ago is boat number 68. It's a Ranger Z21. Um, and I've owned everything under the sun. You know, I've owned, uh, the only thing I haven't owned is an Allison. Uh, but I've owned some really junky boats to, you know, some of the real, the nicest boats, you know, that you can go and buy. Um, but what's the, well, what's the, what's the, what's the one boat out of all those brands you bought bass boats now, and it can be, it can be a metal hole. It can be fiberglass. What's the one damn boat you will never buy and that you would recommend nobody ever buy an express. I had an express SW 20, 
and it was hands down uh, the worst boat of. of what what made it what made it that you didn't like it? Well, it, it, it's a rough riding boat. One and two, I, I guess I'm biased because aluminum boats are like kites when it's windy. Mm -hmm. So you can't track straight. You can't do anything. Uh, you know, if there's five mile an hour wind, you know, your front of your boat's here and the back of your boat's out sideways. So, and they're a terrible ride no matter what you do. And I know a couple of people that have the bass boat version of them. Uh, they're not, they're not really impressed by them either. Um, but I mean, that would be my number one, would be an express. You know, uh, people rant and rave about those boats and I just, I don't see it. I, if I bought an aluminum boat, I would go Crestliner for sure. Um, I've seen those fit and finish on them is way better. That's another thing. The money for the express, I don't feel like you get what you pay for. It seems very ch chintzy to me. Everything's very, you know, loose. It's all screws and rivets that, you know, obviously over time back out. And, uh, everything to me about an express is just not what I would anticipate when you pay, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 for a boat. But it, it also, the live well didn't crack on it and about leave you stranded and sunk in the now, middle of the tournament either now. You got to take that with a grain of salt now. You're talking about a boat that did 90 miles an hour. <laughs> no, that Allison, I mean, that those bullets, though. It was a weird shaped boat too. It was a center console. It was that's that's a, a a wonky boat. I mean, it. I've been on a bullet boat before. When I fished in a bass club here in North Carolina in the early two thousands, the guy had a bullet, and I I got to fish with him a good amount. And boy, when we went somewhere, we, we put on helmets, especially yeah. in the winter time. I, and it was it was it was a I mean it was a fun boat to ride in. It's like I tell everybody, it's all gas, no brakes. I mean, I think <laughs> everywhere I went, it didn't matter if I was going, you know, 40 yards. That thing is going to be as fast as it can go until I reach where I'm going. And now you sold that to go to this Ranger. What made you sell it? Because if you go back and look at your social media post, it looks like you had a relationship with that boat. Yeah, It that, looks like, like y'all slept together. So... Uh, another little short story about that boat. Uh, they made very, very few of them. So it was a, not only was it a center console, but it was the comp hole. So it was the lightest hole that you could buy from Bullet, all Kevlar. Um, mm. And they very many of them. The hole itself weighed 900 pounds. So super, super light. Um, I always wanted one. I've been talking about it for years. Finally got my hands on one. And I sold it because I made about $16,000 on it. And uh, yep. if, okay. if, if I could go back, I wouldn't have sold it. I didn't really sell it to buy the Ranger. I just I ended up with the Ranger because I got a good deal on it. Um, but I, I do regret it. You know, that boat would run 103 miles an hour with a 250. Uh, loaded down, two people. So... Uh, Kind of, uh, kind of a regret selling it, you know, because I didn't really need the money, but I like making it. But, uh, you, you know, it's not something I could wake up and go buy today. You know, I can't go somewhere and say I want to buy, you know, especially in that condition. 
That boat was showroom floor condition. Like dude, that boat that boat looked brand new and was what? Is a two thousand seven? It was a ninety nine. Oh, never mind. Mm. Ninety nine. That should tell you everything right there. Nine with a 2017 250 Pro XS, and I had the Lawrence Ghost on it and a set of blades, and uh, I had a system put in it, you know, C deck in the cockpit, you know, really, really nice. I had it done really nice. So I had a instead of those boats, all bullets, anyways, come with those single seats, and I had a bench mm-hmm. custom made for it. I mean, that boat was that boat was yeah. right. Uh, the kid that bought it for me, a kid younger than me, drove from Louisiana, bought it for me, and put a brand new 300R on it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it already went 100 mile an hour with a 250. Woo. But I do regret it. That boat was my baby for sure. Uh, my fa- Hands down, I'm going to tell everybody here, Bullet makes the best all-around boat that money could buy. Now – I'm not saying it's the best ride. You know, obviously, my grandpa boat I got in my garage. Uh, it's a very good ride. You know, Phoenix is a very nice boat. I've been in those mm-hmm. a bunch. But a fast boat, storage-wise, and being able to, you know, uh, I love gamblers. They're a fast boat. I've had, you know, seven or eight of them. But they're in Santee, South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina boat. KJ Queen's got like a, got like a 35-foot one on the Elite's. but that boat you know that brand of boat suffers it it, once it gets up on plane it it, it'll go but it suffers you know getting out of the hole it suffers storage wise it suffers the only thing that it doesn't suffer from is deck size but bullets they're just all around you like they're 20 21 xrd in my opinion is the best bass boat haul ever made. You know, you put a 250 on it, that boat's running 90s loaded for a 21-footer. Um, it's got a lot of storage, a huge deck, huge live wells. Their live wells are, I think, 50 gallons. All the bullets are the same. They're huge. So, um, you know, like my Ranger, the biggest one you can buy that I have, my live wells are only like 18 gallons per side. So fairly small, I would say, for a, a boat of that caliber um but bullets just in my opinion you know if you know how to drive them that's the biggest thing you know you hear people complain about bullets and gamblers and allisons and you have to know how to drive those boats you can't go from you know a grandpa giant heavy barge and to a fast boat and expect it to be exactly the same you know you have to realize that there's pros and cons to each thing um but, uh, yeah, going back to that, uh, I wish I'd have never got rid of that boat. But, you know, I've already tried to buy it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That well, kid, uh, I will. Let me ask you this, Justin. So this is this is primarily a kayak fishing podcast. But, you know, no, no, it's not. I, well, okay, but I know. So Paul and Alex do a lot of kayak fishing. Let's put it there. I do a lot of kayak fishing. And I. You know, we were going to talk a lot about bass boats on this episode, especially because that is what you do. But I took you on one of your first kayak expeditions on the Broad River, and I would like to know your thoughts on that and what you thought of that experience. Being in a high dollar, I put him, we put him in a new canoe F10, 
put him on the river, and we put him on the Broad River in South Carolina. It's one of the best smallmouth fisheries in the southeast. Um, you know, he got, you know, the chance to experience a place where you could throw it anywhere and, you know, come out with a spot, a large mouth, a small yeah. mouth, a catfish, a gar. You never know what's about to eat. So I caught like, a small mouth and a large mouth. So my experience with that was really awesome. Um, I know you can't really tell, but I weigh about 260 pounds. So I'm a pretty big boy. So, uh, you know, in my mind, Blaine's like, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go kayak fishing, Broad River. You know, uh, there's some rapid type stuff. You got to drag it over rocks. And I'm thinking to myself, my fat ass has got to get in this kayak. And I'm going <laughs> to tippy. I'm going to be all over the place. I'm going to roll it, you know, and I have, you know, three rods with me, I think I brought. And uh, I have some pretty high dollar, you know, all of my setups are not cheap. So that was just the kind of thing that was in my mind of, you know, uh, if I tip and I lose all this stuff and whatever. So we get out there and I get in it and it took me about probably five minutes, but that was very comfortable. It was an awesome experience to, uh, you know, I know a lot of people don't get to experience the broad river or anything like that. But, don't need to. But, yeah. <laughs> Y'all can stay away from it, but, uh, what a beautiful place that is and uh it's such an experience to you know it's a little bit of work getting up there and you know i had some falls i fell i think like twice on some rocks <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, fun 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 deal for sure and kayak fishing is definitely uh you know people talk down on it or make fun of it that that is a very very hard thing to do so all the people that go out and tournament fish on a kayaks I give them props because they have, you know, uh, a 30th of what we do in a bass boat, you know, and uh, have to be able to perform the same way. You know? So when you got back down to Florida, did you quit whitewashing all the kayakers after that trip? Did you? No, hell no. Because <laughs> it, 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 uh... it not get the hell off the ramp. <laughs> hey, next, next, Blaine, you need to take him out. And do offshore fishing at Murray, and put him put him out there in the middle of the lake in the kayak and do some offshore fishing. See, you know, see how easy you get when there's a guy wake surfing to your right and pontoon yeah. full of drunk well, people yelling on your left. I got to experience that a little bit. So I I went to not in the kayak, but uh, I went there for a week. Uh, I fished Murray by myself, I think, for two days. And my experience with the offshore fishing, you know, I took my gambler up there, which I think I went there on Memorial Day. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm <coughs> finding these ledges. You know, I'm by myself. So I get there probably, I don't know, noon time the first day I got there. And uh, I'm graphing. I find these ledges. I sit down. I'm like, man, this thing's loaded with fish. So I, you know, I'm Florida. We're catching schoolers, so we're catching them on a spoon, and uh, I, and I have an infatuation with catching fish on a spoon. It's like my favorite thing to do. Uh, Paul, there, big spoon, little spoon, what, what both, kind of spoon? Both. So my favorite spoon is actually one you can't buy anymore. It's a, a three-quarter ounce Johnson shutter spoon. That is my favorite all-time casting spoon. Period. You can't buy them. <coughs> um, so. 
I get to Murray, I'm graphing, I pull up on the sled, I see all these fish on the sledge. I'm like, holy shit, I'm about to whack them. You know, I was like, there's no way they're not going to get a spoon. I take my spoon, fire it out there, and it sinks about 15 feet, and all of a sudden I'm like, thump! And I'm like, okay, waiting on it, and I'm finding it. I'm like, all right, this is kind of weird. Well, lo and behold, it's catfish. <laughs> yes! <laughs> So uh, I caught about, mm, I don't know, 15, 16 catfish, <laughs> striper. I caught Blaine, and I'm like, fuck this place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never coming back. <laughs> and uh, he's like, no, 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 you just, you know, you got to know where to go, whatever. So, all right, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt, right? So I fish another day, very short there. Uh, I only went a couple hours. And then uh, the following day, <coughs> Blaine goes out there with me. So we're all over the place. And I mean all over the place. And we caught some fish, nothing crazy. But, uh, you know, he kept telling me, you know, herring lake, herring lake, herring lake. It's not a shad lake. It's not a shad lake. You know, in my mind, just coming from Florida to that place, there's no flipping. There's no mats. There's no cat, like anything, you know, deep where I am is 15 foot. Mm-hmm. And I, I steer way clear of that shit. I don't, I don't do that. If it ain't in like three foot of water, I don't want it, you know? <laughs> so it was just a totally different dynamic for me of being somewhere else, you know, of that caliber, you know, and I know that there's fish there. I've watched it a million times, uh, especially uh, kind of one of my, biggest moments of I used to be uh, for some reason when I was younger I followed Anthony Gagliardi a lot mm. um, and watching him went out there you know that that kind of like set the tone for me on lakes of that sort you know you you know those fish live there and there's giants there we catch them on an Alabama right here too really good actually uh, I caught that same place that I took Blaine uh, I caught a 36 pound bag on an Alabama rig. Mm. So, you know, mm. giants you know, catching eight, nine pounders on an A rig. So I, I, I know that type of fishing I enjoy it. But for some reason, I could not put what I knew about offshore stuff, anything to go there. You know? and, and, and you tournament fish down in Florida, right? Oh, yeah, very regularly. Yes, sir. And oh, hell, fuck me. <laughs> If you say sir to me again, I'm kicking your ass out. I don't give a damn whose podcast this is today. As I told you before. Yes, sir. Oh. So you're are, are they all local? Are they regional? Are you doing like any BFL stuff? So, I don't do any BFLs, so uh, I'd like to, but uh, I started a business. It really took off, so I've been, I do home remodeling. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure that's quite busy the last couple of years. Yeah, so I worked for uh, actually here as a salesman for uh, about three years. I was the number one compact construction equipment salesman in the state of Florida. Um, I literally one day I woke up and uh, I was just like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I quit the same day, uh, came home. Uh, got on Facebook Marketplace. I bought a trailer, went to uh, you know all the places, buy all my tools. I spent about twenty five thousand dollars in one day. Uh, I don't mind. 
and started my business literally, you know, a week later and haven't stopped, you know, so I don't really have time to, you know, BFLs, you got to be able to practice. You got to be able to get there and do it. I do that. So I fish, you know, uh, citrus bass, a club here. My uncle runs fish the Winston Niners and I fish the extreme series, which is all over the state of Florida. Um, but I fished a Citrus Extreme and a Johns Lake Division. Johns Lake, if you know Blaine knows, that's like my favorite lake of all time. Uh, I, I win there pretty regularly. Uh, I won the points there for two years, and then this year I'm in second place for the points. So, you know, that's a, a big bag lake. We go there, catch 20 to, you know, 29 pounds pretty regularly in between there. Um, and being local, you're and also fishing against offshore. retired people. Like that goes to <laughs> being a working man. Yeah. <laughs> John's Lake's about an hour away from me, so I don't get to go practice there. We got, uh, you know, there's people that fish that extreme series. You know, you have anywhere between, you know, 20 and 35 boats. <laughs> but they fish, they live there. They fish a Tuesday nighter, a Wednesday nighter, and a Friday nighter there. Those people <laughs> pretty you know it's a tough place to win you know you don't just go there and you know it's easy to beat everybody it's it's a there's some sticks in that division but uh i have a magical shell bar there that uh man it works wonders like i said i, I was there about a week ago i won uh with 20 pounds uh pulled up to the shell bar my first fish was seven pounds first cast of the day second fish second cast of the day my partner Caught a six pounder. So, literally within five minutes of the tournament, you know, we voted a seven and a six, our first two casts. You know, see, see that first cast bullshit about it being bad luck. Just it, you just quashed that. Yeah, you just quashed it. But I'll tell you right now. So, I throw, I throw a, a 12 inch worm on that shell bar. You know, it's about eight, mm. eight foot of water. Uh, put it on a three quarter ounce weight. It's very poor shell. Um, so, it, you know, it's got a lot of ridges and deep. So when I put that, you know, if you throw anything less than a three-quarter, in my opinion, I like getting in those pockets and letting it grab where I can really pop it out of there. And, uh, you know, it's funny, just as many times as I've done it, you know, I've been fishing that lake for about four years now, and uh, it never gets old. You know, so five minutes, you know, it's 6.30. You put two giants in the boat, and I'm over here trying to put my next worm on, taking like a schoolgirl. <laughs> you know, you're so up. And the guy that fishes with me, Bob Glass, uh, he's older, you know, he's 60, I think 62. And he, you know, his fish, you catch, he catches them flipping like I do. That's all he likes to do. So being on the shell bar for him is something completely different. And he just started fishing with me about three months ago. And he looks at me, uh, and he's like, going like this. And he's like, my old heart can't take that. You know, he. <laughs> Six pounder and it's it's you know way out a full cast length out and it's jumping all the way back to the boat. You know? <laughs> Same way, you know. I net the fish and I'm watching his hands go like this. <laughs> That's normal for you because you got arthritis. I don't. My hands are you know. <laughs> so are you pegging that worm when you're throwing it in that sh- that shell bed like that? I do but I, I leave about an inch gap between my peg and my weight. So what I you know, likes and dislikes about it. You know, when you get real hung up on that shell, 
and you're trying to pop it off there, the weight will come up and your worm mm -hmm. will kind of stay back. And I like that because I feel like you get more bites that way. But that shell that I fish is live. So if you do that and it closes on your line and then you get bit, you, you're breaking off. So it's Well, that was that was about to be my question. So, I mean, shell, obviously, thinking of a shell bar, you immediately think abrasion. What yeah. kind of line are you is really keying in for you whenever you're doing this kind of stuff? <laughs> So I throw 20 pound trialene, 100% fluorocarbon. Uh, you know, it's not, here's my thing about fluorocarbon. I, I've tried all kinds of fluorocarbon, you know what I mean? And I've spared no expense on trying to find what's best for me. So I have kind of like two go-tos. Um, I like Fitzgerald. I know I'm sure you've heard of Fitzgerald Rod. Uh, that's the only rod that I use. I got about 30 pair rods. Hit fluorocarbon. Uh, great casting fluorocarbon. You know, if you're throwing uh bite, what the hell you got going on there? Sorry, man. Sorry. I'm going inside so uh, so we don't uh, get any more wind noise. I apologize about that, gentlemen. We don't uh, get no wind noise. You're over here fucking up this story with dropping yeah. the phone. and It looks like Blair Witch Project over here. I'm sorry. See, see you guys. Carry on, carry on, Justin. All right. So, uh, like chatterbaits, uh, any kind of worms I like throwing, uh, small Senko or a finesse worm, or I throw Trevor's Fitzgerald's braid, the 12, 15 pound range. Anything over 15, I throw that trap. I've through all kinds of brands. Um, <laughs> Sorry, boy. Hello, hello, Blaine. Blaine, we got a bad echo coming from your phone. You got to put your earplugs in or take your ass back outside. Huh? All right, we're going back outside then. Sorry, look, guys. Look, see, right, look, see what Alex has done to this podcast. We went like 65 episodes with, with no, not a lot of audio issues. And then now he's got my guest coast over here with audio issues. Yeah. Oh, you think this is Blaine's first time on a podcast? You know, boy. Y'all yeah, keep messing with me, and that's the reason That's the reason you should know it's not my first time, because I'm very concerned about the audio. Well, I, I thought that little crackle didn't watch you make a fool out of yourself. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but that trialing has worked the best for me. You know, uh, I've had a lot of times where I've caught, you know, where I picked up on that shell bar and felt it in the shell, set the hook, still caught it, seen nicks in my line, and, you know, I'm catching – you know, big fours, five and six pounders, and it's held up very well. So for, I think it's 150 yards full of that is like 25 bucks or something. So it's not super cheap, but mm -hmm. in my opinion, I, and I crack them, you know, I'm no, I don't barely set the hook. I'm swinging on I get bit. And to me, I don't break off very often. Uh, and it has good sensitivity and it doesn't get uh, as memory, as much memory as a lot of fluorocarbons that I've come across. You know, I'm not, I'm not having to change it every week on something that I use religiously, you know? So as a, as a Carolina guy, I grew up Carolina rigging and would you never throw that on there because of the shale getting caught in it and tearing, tearing the leader and stuff? Believe it or not, no. <laughs> Sorry, boys. People who, uh, you know, say that it's not true or doubt it or whatever, 
So that shell bar, a little short story, why I say it's been magical for me. Uh, I showed up to the extremes about four years ago, never fished that lake in my entire life. Got my teeth kicked in. Um, literally, I'm floating across the lake, take a phone call. We're out there practicing now, me and my buddy Brady. I take a phone call, and I'm like, man, I'm going to be on the phone for like 30 minutes. We were getting ready to run to another spot. I sat down in the middle of the lake, something important, and I was like, screw it. I'll just throw my worm pole out. So I threw my worm pole out, and it's sinking. I'm on the phone talking, talking. All of a sudden, I feel like a boom, boom, boom. I'm like, the shell bar, you know, 100%. So I had no clue. I found it by luck. <coughs> And about three ticks later, it goes, boop. I set the hook and I caught a nine pounder. Sitting in my driver's seat in my boat. Never even stood up. I mean, I got my phone like this, swing backwards <laughs> like this. And I look over at my buddy, my phone falls off my shoulder. And I'm like, it's a giant. It's a giant. <laughs> Comes out of the water. You know, just the dumbest experience you could ever have. And, uh, so we expand on that. So we go back the next day. Because, uh, you know, shell bar bikes are generally in the morning or in the evening. They're a very timely thing. Um, so we go back the next day in the morning. We sit down on the shelf. We're casting, casting, you know, crankbaits, chatterbaits, uh, Carolina rig, because that was my first stop. It's got isolated hydro on it. Throw a Carolina rig. You're going you know, to be able to catch something good. Never got a, never got a bite. So I go back a week later, go back to the shell, and I tied on a heavier weight, that same 12-inch worm, and uh, it's uh, a bottle. And that's the only thing they will eat. They won't eat that worm on a Carolina rig. They want a Texas rig. They want it glued to the bottom, you know, uh, and nobody ever believes that, uh, but we had, uh, we started winning those extreme series. So of course, you know, boats follow you, you know, people, <laughs> that's what people do. So we get out there, lo and behold, now we've been fishing it for about three months and nobody's out there. And, you know, they finally got tired of us winning. We pull up, sit down, lo and behold, four other boats sit down. So they're casting and we are putting on a show because they don't understand that those fish eat one thing, and that's it. They want that worm, Texas rig, and it has to be that worm. I tried uh, an old monster. I tried any other big worm. They won't eat it. Junebug uh, won't disclose the name of the worm, but it is a 12-inch worm in Junebug color. Uh, and it's kind of a thing that I keep in my back pocket because a lot of people don't use it. So it's a... Uh, it's a very looked over worm, uh, and I catch them everywhere on it. It's a great, it's a great addition to what I do as a fisherman. Uh, the little bit of casting I do do. Um, <laughs> you but, said do do. Yeah, <laughs> but I do find that it, it works for me everywhere. So, uh, well, so you found this. You found this this shell bar out of dumb luck. And I've never done any major fishing on the lakes there in Florida. And, and I've got a question we'll get to. I want to get to after I ask this, unless Justin's got anything with this, with, with after you go into this first question. 
we hear about a lot of the the professionals and then you hear about locals like in the kayak world when they come on podcasts and stuff you you hear them talk about scanning for those shell beds out there did you just not scan were you not looking for it no i was literally drifting with the wind no graphs on no nothing drifting with the wind because we but can you see it on the graph yeah, you can see it on the graph now, but at that time, right, right. Okay. I wasn't looking for it. But, you know, I don't know if you know what shell bars look like on graphs. So you have, you know, pretty, what looks to be hard bottom, but it's very divity and very small. You know, it looks porous almost. Um, and I'm still learning how to graph. I'm not a very, as you can see, I couldn't even get my laptop to work right. So I'm not like technologically advanced here. So I'm yeah. still learning, you know, what things are. Um, actually, this Ranger is most of my boats. I never even had graphs on them just because I, you know, I never used them. Yeah, up Ranger, close to personal fishing, you didn't need it, huh? Yeah, you know, you can't graph fish that are underneath the mats. You know, they just don't work like that. Um, so this Ranger has got graphs on it, and uh, a good friend of mine who owns a tackle store, Chris, uh, he owns 44 Tackle which is right down the road from me. Uh, he went out there with me for about, you know, an hour and a half, you know, teaching me, you know, things to look for, little things and, you know, what, you know, grass looks like and shell looks like and, you know, what sandy bottom, mud bottom, you know, uh, and pretty much what you're trying to look for. And I I still don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, You see it, you know, you think you know what it is, and then you just don't, you know. So I still have a lot to learn. Yeah, that's part of fishing it, though, seeing it and getting down there and fishing it and seeing what's down there. Yeah. But it sounds like this is really taking you to to start to work on your offshore game in Florida. Yeah. And offshore doesn't always mean deep and deep is yeah. relative, all that bullshit. But, you know, it gives you it probably gives you a little bit of confidence to say, I need to go find some shit offshore instead of just running the bank line all day. It, it, it brings me heartbreak more times than none, though. Uh, <laughs> on, you know, I'm sure you know Lake Harris. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, huge offshore lake. You know, dudes go there and catch 30, 40-pound bags offshore there. And I'm talking offshore, offshore, you know, 20, 25 foot of water. And, uh, man, after John's Lake, after finding that shell bar, you know, I'm catching them in 8 to 10 foot of water. I'm, I'm going to go big dick it everywhere. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go catch fish offshore all over the place. Every lake that I know that I can think of that I, you know, didn't work out like that. Yeah, it, yeah. it gave me the confidence to get away from the bank, but it also kind of put me back towards the bank just because I haven't evolved like that yet. You know what I mean? I haven't, I haven't tried to, I give it a lot of effort, but it just, it's not growing on me. So I'm not into it. You know, everybody, you always want to do your strengths. Nobody's going to wake up and go do something they're bad at. So, you know, you, you, you get, well. That, I'm an idiot. I'm an <laughs> idiot. And I do that shit all the time. But anyway, go ahead. Well, well you want to do your strengths. Fishing company. offshore can be very frustrating, though. It's one of those things that if you like to do what you like to do, you like to flip yeah. grass, you like to fish shallow that it's hard to make that call to go, hey, I need to pull back. 
Especially that shithole that you live by. <laughs> yeah, and when you see when you see a mega school of fish, and you're like, "Oh hell yes, it's about to be on," and it's a bunch of white perch or catfish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, being able to tell the difference between that. My next my next question was this: all all the the, the tournament trails, kayak, uh, you know, the the professional boat, the MLF, they start down in Florida, and it's it's always you know people get on them but it's always a struggle for a lot of people. And does, does the whole state of Florida, I know you've got rivers there and you've got all the, the, the lakes and stuff, but in general, does the state of Florida fish similar from body of water to body of water? Can you take something from your body of water and take it to Harris and vice versa? Are they that similar Not, in set up or is it, is it a bigger difference than what you think? Yeah, they're not they're not that close, you know. Obviously, you can take general knowledge. You know, if you catch them flipping mats, you know, you can go to another lake, you find a mat, you can flip it, and maybe get bit. But as to like exact technique or what you're looking for, absolutely not. So you take Henderson, which is literally about three minutes from my house, and Panasaki, which is where I took Blaine the day he caught 34 pounds. He's been to mm. both lakes. He knows. Equally, that Henderson is trash. You know, you can't. That lake is uh, very, very. You know, if you go there and you catch three pounders, you're catching giants on that place. Mm. You know, there's big fish, but they're very few and far between. And I don't go to Panasaki and do the same thing I do at Henderson. You know, Henderson, I'm like, uh, I'm throwing a horny toad or a cinco or something to catch. You know, to get bit. You're looking for really go to try to go through fish there because there's, you know, you have to catch 20 small ones before you catch a good one. Now, Henderson, I've caught them, you know, winter time, like I said, on a spoon, they get out there and, you know, 10 foot of water, we'll go out there and catch 150 fish in a day mm. on Alabama rig, jerk bait and a spoon. Fun, you know, full of shad, three pounders. Um, obviously you can do that Harris and Griffin, but they're not even relatively close to the same to say that you could, you know, come to Harris, fish a tournament there, and then go to Toho for a tournament and, you know, apply your knowledge because it's not the case, you know. And from what I've seen, Florida fishes very hard for people that come from anywhere up north, you yeah. know, and vice versa. Unless you, you know, Chris, like I said, a buddy of mine, he fishes the uh, Bass Opens. So he knows a lot of people. He experiences a lot of stuff. And he seems to think that people from Florida tend to do pretty good up north, like up north, north, because they kind of go into it blind and just do finesse stuff. But the people here that come from up north that come to Florida are trying to do the same thing. And that's not what you need to do. You know, there's not a whole lot of finesse that goes on here. And that, that goes to show with me with that stupid fluke, man. I was just, like I said, I was doing what I knew, and it wasn't the case. You know, you had to go to a whole different level of power fishing. So he was catching this right here. Well, but you hear, but you hear, but you hear the fluke is the, is the deal in Florida. When people go down there, everybody wants to fish the fluke. And, and, yeah. and the damn Cinco was invented to fish down in Florida as okay. a fluke 
is a is something else besides a fluke. But you're you're you take that with a grain of salt because you know you throw a fluke on the river here, you throw a fluke on Okeechobee, yeah, you catch them. But you know a magnum fluke or a cinco, yeah, you can catch them. You know Texas rig a cinco on Okeechobee and cast it around isolated stuff, absolutely. But you go to like uh, Griffin, Harris, or any of those places, you will have not and will never see somebody say, yeah, I just caught a bag on a fluke. (laughs) Don't happen. But, you know, it's one of those baits that's really versatile. You know, you can use it everywhere. You can catch fish across the country on a fluke, large mouth, small mouth, spotted bass. You know, they all eat it, Um, obviously, and it, it catches fish no matter what but they tend to be in that smaller profile range of, you know, that, you know, half a pound to two pound range, which, you know, obviously as a tournament fisherman, uh, and if you've looked at my Facebook profile or anything, uh, I've caught a lot of big fish in my short lifetime and very blessed to be able to say that. I mean, the number of fish that I've caught in between the five and 10 pound range is, astronomical with four of them being double digit fish. Um, my biggest being 13 too. Uh, so I, I've, I've been lucky enough to do that. So when I go out fishing, I'm not really looking for that, you know, so I don't really, I don't really try to put myself in a position to where I'm going to catch those fish. You know what I mean? I'm either going to be a hero or zero. I'm going, yeah. for those, you know, and you have to, you know, you take a lake just yesterday uh, or day before yesterday. Uh, Orange Lake. It's in Ocala. It's about 45 minutes from me. Uh, four bags over 32 pounds. To win, it took 36 pounds to win the extreme series there with a 12 pounder and a 10 pounder. In the bag, there was three fish over 10 pounds weighed in that day. So, you know, you take that, you're not going out there and throwing a fluke and catching fish of that caliber. <laughs> Four pounders ain't getting you shit there, but no. somebody laughing at you. Oh, yeah, yeah dude. Whenever right. I went down there and I caught a four-pounder and he basically, I flipped it in the boat and Justin unhooked him and threw him back in. I was like, I was going to get a picture. He was like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I literally picked it up, popped the hook out, and said. <laughs> Justin was like, hey, bitch, shake that one off. That yeah. ain't even worth pulling into the boat. <laughs> well, the bad part is those are the kind of fish we were culling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a good one. Get the net. Get the net. And it jumps. And he's like. Ah, yeah. Hey, I, I watched this boy. Literally, we go out. You know, Panasofki is also a, it's not a deep lake. It's average is, you know, three to four foot. So uh, it's a very grassy, it's eelgrass, hydrilla. Um, so after we got done flipping, you know, it's the end of the day. I told Blaine, I said, we'll, we'll go try and catch some fish in open water. So we stop out open water. He's got on a spook. He makes two casts with it, I think. And I'm talking. Uh-oh. Oh, you we lost, lost old boy. There he is. Um, hey, so, start, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you blacked out. 
Yeah, I so got a spook call. Um, okay, yeah, that's what you said. So he was throwing the spook, and after yeah. two casts. Literally, the second cast is like you threw a cinder block in the water. I mean, <laughs> just giant, giant, giant. And, of course, you know, blame being blame, no drag. <laughs> I mean, the fish literally goes down, goes down, lays his rod over, breaks him off. And I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, like, it was a double-digit fish or really, really, really close to it. I mean, it was huge, giant. And, uh, you know, after catching 34 pounds and then seeing that, you know, it just kind of gives you an idea of the caliber that that place is, you know, and obviously. Uh, well, there is, there is fishing, there's bass fishing everywhere else, and then there's Florida <laughs> bass fishing. I mean, yeah. it's just the way it works. And uh, I've lived, uh, I lived in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. For, uh, I lived there for two years. Uh, so I got to fish, you know, another one of my favorite lakes, Texoma, on the Texas-Oklahoma border. I fished Lake Fork. I fished Toledo Bend. I, I mean, I've been everywhere. Uh, I fished a lot of different bodies of water, and none of them will ever compare to me, you know. I can go out on a Lake Panasofki, very, very small lake, in my opinion, compared to anything that you guys have up there. Uh, it's like a mud puddle, you know. Um, and you go there, and it takes high 20s to, you know, mid-30s to win every time. I don't care if you go there every week. We were doing opens when COVID started. We were doing opens every weekend there. And if you didn't have 30-plus pounds, you weren't even getting a check. Mm. Every so week. You're fishing for these big fish when when you're you're flipping, you're pitching, you're doing that stuff that you like to do. Are you throwing like three quarter ounce? Are you throwing big lures at these fish? I will interrupt and answer this for you. I went there and I had a one ounce weight tied on, and he looked back at me in the back of the boat and said, "Boy, you were just pissing in the wind. Ounce weight ain't <laughs> shit." He said, "You need ounce and a half, two. He said, "You were just pissing in the wind with a one ounce weight." Yeah, so my, my go-to is ounce and a half for sure. Uh, yeah, he, he knows now. You know, you get uh, – you know, if you have the chance to take a look at the video on Minor Blaine's Facebook of what we did there, um, that hydrilla that we were flipping is literally like trying to flip through dry land. It is that matted out. So – Three-quarter ounce weight, yeah, if you're flipping Kissimmee grass or pad, sure. But any of the mats here, very seldom are you going to be able to get through anything like that. Do you throw any swim baits? Are you doing any big swim baits, any big glide baits? I have them. You know, I have a $100 glide bait uh, actually after dummy here. uh, (laughs) And fished with me and had these little Sabeel uh, jointed baits. I, I went to, you know, my my local tackle store, and uh, I'm in there, and I'm like, man, I kind of want to get into something, you know, when I go to, like, Harris or John's Lake <coughs> on that shell bar, and I bought a, uh, I can't remember the dang name of it. It's a jointed glide bait. I think it's 10 inches, big one, uh, $100 glide bait. And I think I've thrown it about three times. <laughs> and uh, the first time I backlashed, and it pissed, pissed me off. The second time I backlashed, pissed me off. The third time I got it out and said, man, this is fucking stupid. And 
<laughs> I, I cut it off and I was Give done. me my flipping stick. This yeah. is dumb. <laughs> um, I, I throw, you know, a big easy, uh, easy swimmer pretty often, which isn't really a – it is a swim bait, but not, you know, not what you're gearing towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of people that throw jig heads, you know, swim baits on jig heads, fishing offshores, you know, kind of the stuff that y'all do there. Um, I'm not a fan of it. It's not my go-to. Uh, I don't really practice it. it. I have them. You know, I have probably $2,000 worth of plastic slip baits in my boat that never get open unless I put it on the back of a chatterbait. Yeah. And then you got to peel it up from, from whatever container it's in because it's been yeah. in the summer heat in Florida yeah. and melted yeah, to yeah. everything. Yeah, they're colors fused together. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I crushed yeah. them like, on this what? swim bait today. I only got four of them because they mixed with six others in my yeah. in my tackle box. Yeah. Yeah. So what colors you catch on? He said, I don't fucking know. <laughs> custom, 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 custom blended. It took two years to get this color. Absolutely, two hard years. You know, <laughs> they get and somehow they still get transferred from boat to boat to boat. You know? <laughs> Every time I buy a new boat, I think about taking them out, and I'm like, nah. Because you know, you—that's another big thing I, I like talking about to people. You know, you 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 have a day, you go through all your fishing stuff. You know, you sit down at your house, and you're like, man, I never throw this, this, this. You take everything you don't use, you sit in a pile, and you're like, I'm gonna take it out, and then you start putting stuff back in there, and you're looking at it, and you're like, well, what if I need it on this day at this place, and you know, and you can. I don't know if you're like me, but I cannot get rid of stuff, period. Hey, not only that, not only (laughs) that, every time I go fishing and I'm like, and so I am in a kayak. I, if I carry eight rods, I've got six in my, in my box standing up behind me. What or 10, if I carry 10 rods, got, hold on four. Yeah. Six in my box behind me. I've got, I've got well one or two in my 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 kayak holders that are just there. I have one on the deck that I'm using, and then you know I'll put one or two in my horizontal rod storage. One day when I say, you know what, I got these bitches dialed in. I don't need this rod or this rod, and I get out there, or <coughs> this lure and this lure. I get out there, and I'm like, well, sure would have been nice to have this. Nice to have this damn thing right now. Matter of fact, this this tournament Saturday, I knew I knew where the fish were going to be. I knew what they've been biting. I was like, I'm going to catch them on this. And sure shit, I left my damn square bill shit at home. Oh, dude, it, I, it, it's like it, they know. It's like they mm-hmm. can. Those, those fish know. I mean, man, it's one of those things that they they can tell when you've left something at home, and they were going to make you pay for it no matter what. <laughs> I've been there a hundred times. Yeah, yeah, that's how that's how it goes. Sure yeah. enough, or spring sight fishing and you leave your sunglasses at home. Yeah, yeah, that's well. I'm colorblind, so fuck sight fishing. I can't see shit no damn way. Now, I, well, I'll be with somebody and they're like, "Oh my god, look at that fish right here! See that fish?" I'm like, "Bro, you're gonna have to stick your pole in the water and shake it around and then tell me how far it is from there because no, I cannot see it. So the water visibility is 14 inches. It's brownish green." And I'm brown, green, orange, red, colorblind. No, you I can't see like, that fucking fish under that shit. So, h- how does picking colors go for you? Well, judge well, by 
Judging by his shirt, not very good. Easy now, easy now. High Viz Yella is safety first. It is safety first. So, quick, quick science lesson: colorblind doesn't mean you can't see colors. It means you can't distinguish colors together. Yeah. So, mines are red, browns, oranges, and greens, which is fucking nature. Everything in nature. So, when I go deer hunting, you know, or used to, I don't deer hunt much anymore. But when I used to, that shit was hard as hell. I mean, I can't see shit. Yeah. But when I get colors together, I'm a pretty basic angler anyway. I have black. I have black and I have dark colors. I have your, then your green, your pumpkins and watermelons, your black and blues, and then shad colors. So white, white, light blues, you know, with some, some chartreuse yellow in there. Well, that's how I fish. If they ain't biting, you know, dark watermelon. They ain't riding with him. No, no. (laughs) Look, if, if I need, if I need 16 specks of blue flake and 18 specks of silver sparkle fleck, I'm not. I'm not catching that fish. Right. That fish can go fuck itself because I'm not having <laughs> anything to do with it. The, I had a friend that was red green colorblind. I played rugby with, and the field that we played on, the guys came out to paint it, and they painted all the lines on the field red. We used to have to scream at him when he was in the end zone to touch the ball down, or he'd run straight out the back of that son of a bitch. <laughs> Well, one of my funniest things is I was a wildland firefighter, and so we used a lot of flag and tape for stuff out there. And so anytime that I would go somewhere and we're using flag and tape, I had to say, hey, look, guys, we got to use uh, – hopefully we got some kind of candy stripe. I could see that pretty well. But we could not use green, red, or orange. It had to be pink. Uh, couldn't even use like a neon yellow. It had to be pink or – candy stripe was the best. I could see that. But – I mean, it does suck fishing with that because I can't. I, I just I can't see. I can't see in the water like that. Not the. Not that it matters around here. I mean, again, the visibility, average visibility in my lakes here is, I mean, fourteen damn inches. You can't see nothing no damn way. You need uh, those in chroma glasses. No, no, I I don't. I I we ain't. I don't know why the hell we're talking about me being colorblind. I've done, we done talked about 18 times on this damn but show. I, dude, I never do that. That's very interesting. We're just talking about how you're missing out on, you know, one of my other favorite things to do is, uh, you know, a lot of people are against it, whatever. You, if you go fishing while they're bedding, you're still catching bedding fish. Whether you know it or not, you're still catching. So I do it. I, I, I mean, I do. If I'm in a tournament and I see a fish on a bed, your boy's catching it. Yeah. Uh, and not, I don't go out there to pick off, you know, little small fish. You know, I don't, I don't go up and beat on three and four pounders on the bed. Um, but, you know, we, we do a big bass tournament here. Uh, it's an hourly thing every year. Um, and, boy, when it's, it's going, you know, there's giants on the bed. So uh, uh, another little short story about my terrible – experience with that tournament this past year uh you know as much as i trade boats i had a uh, ranger a, a small r91 i think it was uh with no power poles mm. and i'm going to fish a tournament that i got fish on the bed so, and the wind's always blowing in florida it's like it, texas that shit never don't not blow and without a doubt we you know we <clears throat> five to ten not terrible 
we go out there, it's blowing 15 to 20. Which so, is 45 miles per hour on the lake. Yeah. So we we sit down on the first bed fish. It's double-digit fish, by the way. We sit down on it. I got my buddy Brady. He's my power pole. He's holding <laughs> on dock post, holding the boat there. And I'm standing on the front of the boat on top of my trolling motor looking at this bed fish. Your trolling motor must be strong as hell to hold up your big ass. Yeah. Yeah. Four tracks, baby. <laughs> and uh, I pitch on this fish, I don't know, probably 100 times. No joke. And I pick up, I have, I'm digging in my rod box. I'm like, what do I have tied on that she might eat or, you know, kind of fire on? And I had a, you know, those uh, Z-Man hooks that they use for finesse ones. They're the EWG hooks and got the weight mm-hmm. on the top. <laughs> so it's, I, called a, it's called a, it's called a Ned rig. No, not the okay. trim head. It's an actual EWG hook and it's weighted. Like a Tokyo rig. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had one of those tied on, and I had a crawl on it. And it was a white crawl, and it's on monofilament. You know, all this is happening so fast. You know, you're just in a rush. You're trying to whatever. And I got it on a 14-pound monofilament. I didn't know <laughs> that. You know, I'm not. He's fishing for, he's fishing for a 14-pound fish on 14-pound <laughs> That monofilament probably been on that rod and reel sitting in his boat locker for five years, yeah. too. Hey, right. when I pitched it out there, I should have known everything was going to go wrong. I pitched it out there, and, you know, my line went down, and it just coils, you know. That's all you see. <laughs> right? <laughs> and this, this crawl is falling. Like, you know, we're in five foot of water. That lake's clear back there where we are, so you can see her clear as day. My first pitch with it. And I'm just trying to get her to fire on something. My first pitch with it, I pitch it in there, and it's fall, that crawl falls like a tube. And it gets about halfway down the water column. She comes up and smokes it. Just engulfs it, you know. And at that time, you have to make a decision of, do I let her spit it out and try to tie that bait on a braid, or do I set the hook? And, of course, you know, I set the hook. So I set the hook, lean into her. She's peeling drag because I have my drag set. I'm not like Blaine. Um, <laughs> she's, she's peeling drag, comes up, and it's, you know, 10, 11 pounder, giant. You know, we, we had found this fish two days before, you know, and so that tournament, the way that it works is $1,000 for a big fish every hour, $1,000 for biggest fish of the day, and $1,000 for the biggest bag of the day. Mm. Well, we had, hour. we had two big fish on the bed, and... The first one was mine. The second one was my partner's. And uh, lo and behold, it comes up. She's peeling drag. She runs out, comes back towards me. My partner, you know, we're fishing around pads, of course. You know, they can never bed out in the wide open. They got to be right up next to some shit. So she gets all up in the pads. My partner, instead of trying to grab her, tries to net her, knocks her off the hook. Fish is gone. You know, and, and... would have, would have been a much better if I had put it on fluorocarbon or braid. You know, obviously I could control it a little bit better, but my mistake. So we go right around the bend. You know, we're in a little canal system. We go right around the bend, pull up on the next fish. He pitches in the bed, you know, another fish, you know, eight, nine pounds, big one. He pitches in the bed, 
sorry, bitch, eats it on the first caps. You know, I had to work for mine, still lost. <laughs> he eats it on the first pitch in there. He sets the hook. Fish comes up out of the water, comes off. And uh, <clears throat> that was pretty devastating, you know, because not only was that two, you could have won two hours with those fish. We pretty much lost four grand in the matter of 15 minutes, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but sight fishing will always be one of my favorite things. I think it, it gives you, you know, when you pull up somewhere and you see that five, six, seven pounder sitting on a bed, your heart's, it's, you're like a child, you know, your heart starts racing. It gives you that adrenaline rush it, and you get to watch it all happen. And to me, that's the coolest thing. You know, I don't, a bass fish because I enjoy it. And that's, you know, those are the things that I enjoy. I don't, I like the sport, you know, I do it for the competitiveness, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, just a relaxing thing for me to do. And it's the only thing that I've found that gives me, you know, that excitement mm-hmm. out of anything that I've ever tried to do, you know. Uh, you re- you referenced it earlier, though. You caught these, uh, you know, whenever it was a couple of weeks ago, y'all had these tournament, that tournament, and y'all caught these fish, and you're both shaking. I mean, that's that's in uh, probably catching some of those catfish up in Murray. Yeah, and you probably first caught it. You were, I mean, it was exciting. It's that shake. Yeah. I caught a 22-and-a-half-inch fish this Saturday, and I thought it was a catfish. The area I was fishing, the, there wasn't a lot of fish down there. They were good size. They were either bass or catfish. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's 17 foot of water, so the fish – and I caught it on a blade bait, and so it's on a spinning reel. But they, they you just don't know sometimes because those bigger catfish won't roll like those little stupid-ass yeah. stupid yeah. ones. You know they fight different, and and I thought it was, and it and, the, and it started coming up, kind of it it didn't come up like it wanted to jump like a bass. Yeah. But anyway, I, I'm like, it's a stupid cat. I just posted the video to us. Oh, stupid catfish! And like three seconds later, I'm like, oh shit, no, this is a giant. <laughs> I lo- I left my net at the house too, yeah. and so <laughs> with a blade bait, they come off that stupid bait all the damn time until I started changing hooks up. Matter of fact, if y'all use a blade bait and you use the steel shads. Take out those number eights and put you some number sixes on both of them. It ain't going to affect nothing. But anyway, you'll catch more fish. I caught that fish and uh, again, same thing. I'm, you know, it's that excitement. And it, now this is a long fish, but that that poor old sow ain't weighed the five pounds, nine ounces. She yeah. was like that sow that Blaine caught. <laughs> some old sow went back into the back of the damn creek where he sow, went to die. That's that's what Ryan that's what Ryan Lambert ended up saying. Poor old Sal went back there to die and blood <laughs> hooked her up and yanked her out the water and kicked her around and <laughs> but it is that excitement. And and a big fish just like depth is relative to people, relative to where you are. And so for some people, a five or six pound fish is the biggest fish they'll ever catch if yeah. they never go to a different body of water. But I mean, even five or six pound fish are exciting as hell. I would assume they're still exciting to you, yeah. and you're pulling out eight and nine pounders regularly. I catch five pounders pretty regularly. I'd say, you know, to put to put a number in perspective, if I go flip or if I go flipping every weekend for you know every month, which I generally do at least one day, I catch at least one fish over five pounds, if not you know three or four. Um, 
But it that it just goes back to to the love for the sport, you know. It's really not even about the fish so much. But anytime I flip into the map and I get bit, you know, before you know what it is, that exact, you know, short moment in time, you're excited because you're doing something you love to do and you got bit. And you know a fish is there, you don't know what it is. And the whole mm-hmm. time, it feels like you're in slow motion. You know how it is. You get bit, you think, you you know, a minute's passed, but really it's been five seconds. And, uh, and that, that, like I said, that just goes back to the love of the sport. You know, when I was a child, it was my getaway. So it kind of molded me into what I do today. And uh, I've always told everybody, if I can't fish, I have no reason to be here. Because yeah. that's just what I like to do. I, I, I can't live without it. It's, it's, uh, if I go more than a week without it, I'm like depressed. I'm depressed. I, I walk in the garage and I, you know, rub my boat on the side. And I'm like, it's okay. You know, I still love you. I'll be out there. Just, just as walking in his garage and looking at like $150,000 in fishing shit going, what the hell am I doing? Not taking something out here and going to catch something. Exactly, man. And I've had those moments where, you know, you're, you're, you know, you fish a tournament, everything goes wrong. And you're like, fuck this. I'm fucking going home. I'm selling all my shit. <laughs> my rods, my boat, and everything is one. Fuck all this. I'm never doing it again. And then you hook into another fish, and you're like, all right, I'm good. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. As a TD, I see that about after every tournament we run, especially <laughs> the ones that are on Santee and, you know, these lakes that are supposed to have big. Well, these guys will go out there and zero and just be like, I'm done. And I mean, it's just, it's not an attitude you, you can have as an angler. You're going to have bad days. Yeah. But my biggest thing I think for me is, is that I'm, I expect a lot out of myself. You know, I, I'm not saying that I'm like, no, by no means like the best fisherman ever, but I win a lot of tournaments here. I, I put up my fair share of big sacks, you know, my, I, I'm consistent you know, I do what I need to do. So I have high expectations for myself. So when I go out and something that I should have won and I didn't because I didn't execute how I was supposed to, uh, you know, obviously it, it puts you in a, you know, a tough spot. Well, and you, so you bring up something that I really like to talk about. And it's, it's that mental aspect of this of this sport. And, and I say that from the aspect of tournament fishing, competitive fishing, albeit in a kayak with 20 other guys or 200 or in a boat with 20 guys or 200. A lot of people fish tournaments because they, they like, they like to fish, right? But they also want that compete. That's the only reason I fish. I mean, I fish because I want to, I want to fish tournaments. I want to compete. Yeah. So when I, I don't go fun fishing, when I go out fishing, I'm working on a technique. I'm, I'm learning a, something in the lake. Like that's the mentality I have. That's a hard mentality because you, you're, you know, people are like, Oh man, you just never having fun. I'm out there having fun. But if I start catching a bunch of catfish and perch, you know, I'm like, man, this is <laughs> fucking stupid. Let me go, you know, somewhere else or in every tournament I go into, my mentality is to win. That's that's where I go from. Yeah. So when I have a bad tournament, it's the same thing. I and I joke. I was like, you know, I'll get back around. I was like, hey, 
everything's for sale. I pushed the kayak back out the lake, let that bitch float off before yeah. I need to go out and get it. You know, the thing is, 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 it's a competitive thing and, and it's not, that's a great, that's a cool thing about fishing, right? We're not just competing against each other. Yeah. The competition really comes down to you and the, in the fish. Yeah. And there's so many uncontrollable variables about fishing. For me, when I have a bad day fishing or I have a terrible tournament, I, you know, I get, I, I get frustrated, but I'm sitting here in my mind starting to concept, you know, conceptualize everything and, and, and like, all right, what, how do the next, I get home, I'm tired. Ne- the, I can't wait to get home and take all the shit out the truck and then go, all right, I'm going fishing tomorrow morning. Like yeah. I need to go, I need to go figure it out. And you know, that lends to how you get better because you know, well, this shit didn't work. Let me go out here and try something different. Or you get beat by somebody doing something and you're like, I'm going to go buy some some um shaky heads <laughs> and i'm gonna go fish shaky heads until i've learned what the bite feels like where you know all these little nuances so next time i'm and i'll tell you this this past term i finished third i would not have finished third at this time last year because i i would have you know just theoretically i'd have caught every fish i caught on that steel shad because i would have thrown that last year but i never would have gone to where i went and caught the the my first five 12 inches my limit were all like 12 12 and a half inches off of that but i finished third with two 12 inches i never would have done that so you we always is turn and we all fish tournaments right so this is what it comes down to, to regardless of what boat we're in you're you're always like shit how do i get better what do i need to do to improve what did this guy do that i didn't do and you know what? And it's you going out there and start to learn how to do some offshore shit and find some more shell beds because you, you've got some confidence and you know something that maybe somebody else doesn't know about a shell bed they didn't get bit at. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, if that ever stops, that's when you, you know, you don't have as much love for the sport as you did. You know, the fact that you have a bad day and then you want to go back out there the next day and, you know, try and figure it out. That's, you know, not only is the competitiveness, but it's, you know, how much you love it. You want to be good at it, you know, especially my, my biggest thing is, is, uh, you know, you have people that you uh, absolutely don't like in the sport. You know what I mean? People that you, you know, I have a handful of people that I have to fish with all the time that are not my favorite people, you know. So when you get beat by those people doing something like that, it makes you want to grow as an angler uh, just because, you know, there's not many times like my big thing, worm throw. Okay. Casting a worm catches fish. Yes. But, you know, you go to Panasaki and you cast a worm. It's not going to catch the consistent bags that flipping a mat does, you know, and I, I'm not very good at it there because my mind is so set on flipping mats. But when you go there and you get beat by somebody, somebody you don't really like, and they're casting <laughs> worm, and you know they caught thirty pounds on it. I'm the same way, you know. I, that happened to me probably a year ago, and I, I uh, you know, I was back then. I was doing stuff on my own, you know, doing house remodeling, or probably two years ago. So I could kind of pick and choose when I wanted to work, and so I took. Literally, I'm not joking you. I took a week off 
<laughs> every day throwing a worm. Every day. And uh, did it work out for me? Absolutely fucking not. But that's, you know, summertime. And I was kind of in one of those situations, you know. I'm out there trying to better myself. It's summertime. It's 100 fucking degrees. I'm sweating like a stuck pig. And I'm out here throwing a fucking worm doing something I hate doing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just, you know, you're, you're ready to kill yourself out there because... It's just miserable, but sometimes that is what it takes to become a well-rounded angler, though, is just to do those things that you're uncomfortable with. I mean, for instance, I mean, dude, me coming down there to Florida, never seen a grass mat in my life, really. And if I did, I didn't know, I wouldn't know what to do with it. (laughs) It's just one of those things. It it takes learning new tech, learning new techniques. I learned that in Florida. I went and applied it on Santee, caught a giant fish, won a bunch of money. I mean, it just, it goes Mm -hmm. to show. I appreciate your help. And here's a thanks to your flipping mentor, you know. Yeah, they I hope he pays you for some of that coaching. Hey, I'm gonna tell you right now, when I seen that picture, I patted the shit out of my back. <laughs> yeah, that you was just, my first phone call. Was that yeah. like, you'll never guess what I just did. Blaine, you mentioned a well rounded angler, and we hear that now. Like so so back in the day, professional anglers were known for a thing. And that's what they did predominantly. And now you hear people talk about how professional anglers now are just so well-rounded. And you hear that through all these YouTube people and and the folks out here learning how to fish and people kayak fishing. You need to be well-rounded. You need to be well-rounded. And I have a problem with that because I don't think you need to be proficient in everything you need to you need to have your one, two, three, whatever it is that that you like to go catch fish on that you know you can, but you need to know enough. You don't have to be proficient in it, but you need to be able to know enough to cast that worm or to cast that shaky head or to throw a drop shot when when the scenario calls for it. So what I would say people need to be more mindful of is not the technique or the lure. They need to be more mindful of the situation and the bass behavior so that when they see that they at least know how to tie that bitch on and go out there and throw it to them because, because it doesn't have to be perfect. 99% of the time, it doesn't have to be perfect. Look, you can't catch fish where fish ain't, but Perry said you can't catch fish where fish ain't. But, and I think it was Edwin Evers that said this is, I think, I think that's who it was. He said, you can have the perfect cast in the wrong spot. You ain't ever going to catch a fish, but you can have, a, or excuse me, I'm sorry. You can have the perfect lure in the wrong spot and never catch fish. You can have the wrong lure in the right spot and still catch fish. Yep. And it goes back to you can't catch fish where fish ain't. So it's all about understanding the fish behavior, the movements, where they are, what they're doing, and then having the, the minimal knowledge <laughs> to tie something on that you know Holy shit, that's a shaky head bite. Let me go tie that on and throw it. So the well-rounded to me is more towards understanding the situation that you're fishing, fish the moment. Ike Ike says that. Obviously, Johnny Schultz has fish the moment stuff. But you know, that's to me, that's what real rounded means. It's not doesn't mean that you have every lure ever made and you know how to fish them to perfection. Yeah, and I can get behind that because like I said, you you want to fish your strengths, you know. Uh I, I think you know, you go to a lake dominantly pissed, that doesn't mean that you 
team that you have to catch them on that. You, know, you uh you could take a uh you know you go to a smallmouth lake you catch you know people predominantly catch them on a drop shot or uh any kind of finesse out in you know that 10 to 15 watt foot of water on shoals or rock ledges or anything like that but that doesn't mean that you have to go there and do that you know you can go there and take say if you like cranking you go there and you take what you know you try to figure out your scenario that way, and if it doesn't work out, then you fall back the up to the other. But in my opinion, I'm the same way. You don't have to be well-rounded in everything that you know goes on in the fishing world. So, damn Blaine, look, this is why you're here as guest co-host. So when there's a lull in the in the talking, you're on mute. You're on mute, dumbass. Yeah, when there's a lull in talking, sure you take over. Okay. When when I have to go tinkle and there's a lull in talking, that's why I hold the sign up. Got to go tinkle. When there's a lull, you take over. Here. You know what? You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> you're fired. That was quick. Well, I, obviously, I obviously, that obviously, I can't go in there and, and tinkle slowly because the podcast would be like 45 seconds of nothing because you didn't <laughs> well, do your job. At least you, at least you did mute yourself this time because I did time not. You didn't and it just sounded no, like a my microphone like a slow waterfall. My just, microphone you know. was on. My microphone was on. I can still hear because I got the earplugs in. But anyway, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Last hey. time I was worried everything was okay. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's over here worried about me. Me talking. He's over here being a fucking mute. Hey man, I, he I, is. Nope. A, he's muted. The, the wind over here has been pretty brutal, and uh, like I said, I am on vacation, and I've got a sleeping baby in there trying not to be on top of all of that. Um, you know um, what? Excuses are for people scared of their wives, because I make a ton of them myself, so I completely understand. I'm, hor- <laughs> I'm horrified of my wife. Don't worry. I would I would be, too. I know she Is she as short as she looks, or is it just oh, because yeah. you're... Yeah. Four foot eleven, bro. Hey, that's how tall my wife is. You know I what? Think four that's foot how eleven. Alex is too. No, he's he might be a little shorter. I'm not. I haven't met him in person. Look, let me tell you something. If if your wife or girlfriend is four foot eleven, I can promise you two things. One, she will keep you in line, and two, she is mean, lovingly mean. Yeah, yes, yep. that's that's a very good way to describe it. <laughs> I just always say the shorter the woman, the closer to hell, and sometimes it, <laughs> it, it applies. No, but she, man, like I said, when you're when you grow up being that short, I feel like there you got to defend yourself. Sometimes you get a little you get oh, picked no. on a lot. We we definitely picked on her. So I knew Blaine's wife before he ever even met her. So me and Blaine's wife went to school together in Florida. Okay, okay, so. Um, see how fishing see how fishing brings people together that's it dude i met this guy on facebook yeah yep and uh so blaine blaine's a facebook stalker okay we got that out of the way yeah um but yeah uh obviously you heard what i said about the uh the well-rounded deal um i agree with you 100 percent on that though that uh but you always, you know, you always want to go out there and try to do what your strong suit is yeah. before you try to figure out something else. 
Well, that's the best way to break down new water is to go out there with confidence. And I mean, well, yeah. that's one thing you can do is just tie on something that you know, hey, I've, I've, I've slayed them on this shit. And you can go out there and go, okay, if I can catch them on this here, I'll be able to catch them here. And it, it helps you put the puzzle together in your mind before my, a tournament. My and big- I think it – hold on, hold on, hold on. I think it does that with, with how technology is today, forward-facing sonar, side scan, understanding fish behavior. I think we have a lot better understanding of fish behavior now. Taking that strong suit out there, and if you are around bass, if you're around those fish, and you're f- fishing uh, the scenario, and you're fishing what you're comfortable with and it's not working, then, you know, all right, there's fish here. I know these are bass here. How do Can I... Can I get them to bite? What do I need to do? Then you start running through the other techniques in your arsenal. I think that's where technology comes into play the most because you can see the fish there. You're not just going to a point and fan casting all the way around a point from the side, the back, the front, the other side. You're not wasting all that time now using technology to do that. The other thing is if if you go out there and shit's not working that you're comfortable with, you're eliminating water. And what do they say about fishing is the biggest thing is eliminating water. Yeah, my my big thing is to say you're in a tournament, right? You're, you're fishing a body of water, and it, it's a really tough bite. You know, what you're confident in may not, you know, if you have to only get five bites a day, which some tournaments are like that, you're not going to try to get five bites with something that you don't regularly use. You know what I mean? That's what spins you out. If you have to get five bites on something you're confident in, you'll keep throwing it. You know, it's like me flipping a mat. I could get, you know, five bites all day long flipping and be content, you know, because I know, you know, I'm confident. And I know when I get bit what it's going to be. But, you know, if you if you're one of those people that goes out and you don't get bit right away and you're, you know, jumbling through 16 different things, that's when you're spinning your wheels and uh, being well-rounded at that, you know, at that time, it doesn't make you any, you know, a better fisherman, in my opinion. That just means that you, uh, you know, you know a lot about a lot of things, but you could also, you know, that could also dig you a bigger hole. You know, you could say, okay, you know, they're doing this. And I can't catch them the normal way. So I'm going to catch them, you know, like so-and-so did back in whenever. And you're out there doing that and you're still not catching them. You know, if you can't stick to something that, you know, that you're good at, then it's always going to be tough for you. You know, you're never going to be able to go out and do something that you never do and say, oh, yeah, I, you know, very seldom you know, oh yeah, I won this tournament or I cracked them doing something I never do in my entire life, you know? And uh, it just doesn't happen very often. But that's also because most people don't stray away from what they know. Mm-hmm. You yeah, have, I, I have 30 pods and I use five regularly, you know? Yeah, I've always know. found that like, if you can go somewhere and you can apply that knowledge and you can apply that knowledge and you can figure something out, man. It just, it does so much for you confidence wise that you are able to go forward and actually put it together. It helps you so much. And that's what I always have said to you got to be well-rounded, but you got to have your thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
knowledge. You know, like uh, last week of John's Lake, <clears throat> I'm flipping, you know, John's Lake, huge hydrilla mats. And I mean huge. You know, they're, they're deep, very deep. Uh, you know, you can't even get close to the bank because the hydrilla is so grown off of them. I go to pitch, two-ounce weight, by the way. Uh, <laughs> God <laughs> almighty. I it out, and it's not going through. And I'm shaking it, and I'm shaking it, and I still can't get it to go through. I watch probably three feet away, just the slightest movement in the map. And I mean the littlest. I can't believe I've seen it. And I tell my partner, Bob, you know, like, I don't want to try to get my weight through more and it be a fish and, you know, pull it out or scare it or whatever. So I'm going to leave mine in there, pitch beside me. He pitches in there and catches a three-pounder. You know, that, you know, is a confidence booster for the rest of the day. You know, you, you made a right decision, you know, three pounds on, you know, we caught those two big fish and then it was a grind after that. Well, mm-hmm. but I mean, that that's it. That's your thing. You yeah. know how to flip so well that you saw the mat roll and knew yeah. what that meant. I mean, that is what it comes down to is having your thing. You've got to be better at everybody at something. That's yeah. what puts you aside. And yeah. that's what t- offshore fish, offshore anglers nowadays can look at their forward-facing sonar and look at fish and throw a lure in there and go, they, they, ain't, they ain't ready. And they leave and they go somewhere else and they come back. Justin, go do what you got to do. I see you going on mute. Um, so Blaine, what what is you went down and fish with Justin down in Florida? Did did you have any experience down in Florida? Dude, I mean, I had very little. I mean, my my granddad grew up when I grew up. My granddad lived in Jacksonville. I fished some ponds around there, but dude, as a competitive tournament angler, no, I went down there on vacation. Um, I visited, you know. Two days, whenever we came back through, we were staying in my wife's hometown. And when we were on our way back through, that was when I, I was like, honey, did you, go, did you go to high school with anybody or anything that knows <laughs> the area? And she's like, yeah, you know. And then she posted, hey, is anyone, does anyone, you know, fish a lot around the Crystal River area be willing to take my husband out? He's just looking to catch a big one. And someone, you know, Joseph got on there and was like, hey, you need to go wherever the hell Justin Jones goes. I got a Facebook message into him. He hit me back, and at 6 o'clock the next morning, I was in his driveway. Once again, an attest to the fishing community, man. Mm-hmm. And it's formed a lifelong friendship. But, yeah, in Florida, I had zero experience. I, you know, like I said, I'm in the back of the boat, though, at a fluke on 12-pound test. And, you know, comparatively <laughs> speaking, I mean, it, it, it changed the game for me because with those, you know, extra heavy rods, 65-pound braid, it's just stuff that I'm not used to doing and was not prepared to do. So once I got out there and was able to do it, man, it it changed everything for me. And yeah. It just made me – it taught me how to fish grass. And, you know, before it was, oh, there's grass, throw a frog in. Now it's, okay, right. what type of grass is it? How deep is it? What kind of consistency is it? What level of light is this thing filtering out, you know? All of that comes into play with this and depends on what you throw. So, yeah, it, it taught me so much. And, you know, you go to Florida and just think, it's Florida. You know, I'm going to go down here and just wreck them. And that's not the way it goes. You've got to kind of Most have, people go down there and think that, and their asses don't catch nothing. That's it. you got to go down there with a, with a humble mentality and be ready to learn something new because it's a new place, and it's a different strain of bass that I'm used to fishing for. I mean, we've got yeah. Florida strain in South Carolina, but on – Lake Murray, they're yeah. northern strain and combos. So, yeah, and tell me, how, 
two days, he comes down here, catches 34 pounds the first day, 30, almost 30 the next time, you know, a day apart or a day in between that we didn't fish. And then he drags my ass all the way to South Carolina and I have to shows him a 12 pound bag and sends him home with his tail. And so a bunch of <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just was, I literally in that moment I said, Blaine, I'm never fucking coming back to <laughs> this place. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. He's he's gonna come back. He's gonna come back and fish Murray and catch some bigger fish. Well, he's gonna go to Santee, gonna take him down there and let him see you some real alligators, not them little Florida dink alligators. You gonna and then it, y'all both need to make a trip up here to Jordan and Sharon Harris so I can take y'all out and we can probably not catch nothing but perch and catfish. Hey, but I you know how much beer would get consumed on that fishing trip? My God. Well, I, no, it would be white claw surges. My man, <laughs> Justin, I have a I have a question for you. You know, you're you're, you're fairly long, young, twenty six years old. It sounds like 26, 27, somewhere in there. Huh? Twenty six. Okay, twenty six years old. But you obviously have your shit together. You know, you, you can tell by the way you talk. Tell by the way you fish. The fish you catch. I got a two part series. One, I need you to make a short answer because this it's a short answer question. It, you talk about all these big fish you catch and going out there and catching, you know, you want to catch seven, eight, nine, ten double digits, and three and four pounders don't mean shit to you. That's that's the social media talk, right? In real life, are you going out there and catching seven, eight, nine pounder every day you go out, or do you go out there some days and you might not catch a fish or you might not get a bite or you might catch a bunch of dinks? It's I, like I said, today I caught a bunch of small fish, like I told you, but it's few and far between, you know, like uh, uh, my girlfriend and I went out, what, Saturday? I literally said, I said, I'm, I don't care how many bites I get. I went to Panasofi. I said, I want one big fish. That's mm-hmm. all I care about. Well, okay. I caught, uh, what was it, 10-3? 10-3. Literally, I pitch in this mat. It's about, you know, as big around as you can make a circle with your arms. Whole tree shakes. And I set the hook on it. And I look at it and I'm like, it's a giant. Get the net. You know, (laughs) I said it's a giant like three times. And I look back and she still hasn't moved. Her ass is still glued to the seat. (laughs) What the fuck are you doing? I was like, get the net. This is not a drill. You need to take the seat out that boat. That's all I got to say. I swing it in the boat. It hits the side of the boat, comes off, and falls in the cockpit. So you did a bl- you did a Blaine Upton. At yeah. least you didn't kick it back in the water. No, no, I didn't. No. Uh-uh. The no. other the other question I had is, uh, and and maybe maybe would lead with this. What's your experience with folks that you fished against or with? And obviously, we've got the story of Blaine coming down there. You know, doesn't know shit about Florida except what he's read. That's why I went down there with a fluke and 12-pound test. What is the biggest thing that you see? And you might even see it if you if you even watch the elites or MLF or any of the pro guys that we get to watch on TV. What's the biggest thing that you see from folks coming to Florida for the first time or maybe their second time? They just don't know, right? They don't know the Florida fishing. What What's the biggest thing or two that you see that's a misconception or that they come down here and you're like, man, that's – this this guy is not going to figure it out. He he just he doesn't know. He's not going to have a good trip. 
Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing that I see is, is people take, you know, those, those lakes where you guys are, just say somebody like Blaine coming down from South Carolina, um, they see grass. And they absolutely instantly associate grass with fish. Okay. So, you know, Blaine comes down here. He sees all this hydrilla. He wants to fish it. Florida is nothing but the whole fucking lake's grass. That's that's people's biggest kryptonite is, you know, you can fish, you know, it's like Gunnersville. You can fish 3,000 yards of the same line of grass, not get bit, but only 100 of it's good. Yeah, it's mm. it's a it's sections. You've got to find yeah, stretches. It's bizarre. You know, you it could be like the smallest thing. You know, you could have eight foot of water with, you know, six foot of hydrilla grown up. But you need five and a half foot, you know. Mm. And, and mm. People associate grass with fish that don't, you know, you fish those lakes, you know, especially way up north. A lot of those lakes don't have that. So they think that they're going to come here and throw worms and chatterbaits and, and all this hydrilla and all this grass and they're going to catch them. But that's not the case. You know, I have fished the prettiest looking hydrilla, any grass lines you've ever seen in your life. And not got bit more times than none. So you saying the jackhammer is an overrated lure in Florida? No, <laughs> no. That's what I heard. So no. you better defend yourself, or the we're ending right now, and that's going to be the end of the podcast. No. That no. Justin Jones, the younger brother of Jessica Jones from Marvel, <laughs> said that the the jackhammer is the most overrated bait in Florida. You better correct me if I'm wrong. No, Dude, I think one of them states. All right, the podcast is over. Justin Jones, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> sure. Uh, story, uh, 4th of July, the 3rd. Boy, you, I'm glad your stories are fucking short because this is at least the hundredth one we've had tonight. Hey, yeah. what, what did you say to me when I first came on here on Bass and Brews? You have between an hour and three hours to tell a story. Yeah. So guess what? I'm going to use that shit. <laughs> We, uh, the 3rd of July, you know, they do fireworks on our lake here that I live on. Uh, actually, the biggest bag I've ever caught out of it, it was 22 pounds. And uh, I sit down, there's there's a spot, uh, we went back there, Blaine, East Cove. Um, it, it, it's like three small pools of, I guess you would say, pond-like places. And uh, there's one section that's got long concrete walls, and at the mouth of it, it opens up. I sat down on that mouth and caught about 17 fish in a row on a white jackhammer, three-quarter ounce, uh, with mm. pearl razor shad on the back. And uh, my buddy Joseph also, and a 10-year-old kid, his girlfriend's kid was with us, and he was cracking them on a chatterbait. So there's definitely a time and a place for it, but I don't think that, you know, all these people that come here and just want to glue it to their hand and throw it and throw it and throw it. It's not, it's not that, you know, it's not a, you're going to throw it. Like I threw it today a bunch, never even got a bite on it. Mm. There's just a place for it. And if you don't have wind, you know, if it's windy, you're going to, you're going to smash them. You know, you get on a lake that's got, you know, three foot of water on top of a five foot of hydrilla and the wind's blowing you know, you're, you you have a good chance to catch a bag, but if it's bluebird skies, no wind, you might as well not even take it out of your box. So, do you throw spinner baits, or are you do you I throw those at all? Absolutely. Okay. 
I'm a big spinnerbait. Spinnerbait is like a Florida. Uh, I guess we we can call it old school now because it has so many other things, and especially how punching has come along. But spinnerbait used to be the deal down in Florida, man. That was the whole thing, and it had to be windy. But yeah, ripping it, it through the grass. So growing up too, Lake Nassaukee, Blaine's been there. Um, that place used to be, you know, four foot of water, super super clear, like gin clear lake. Uh, it's not anymore. And it used to be all sand bottom, and it was all eelgrass. And you could mm. take white spinnerbait and throw it in the holes in the eelgrass and sack them. Like, I was on that lake at 10 years old catching, you know, with my uncle, catching 20-pound bags on a spinnerbait, and I had no fucking clue what I was doing. I just <laughs> threw it to go in that hole, and that was that was it. So, and, and obviously spinnerbaits are a good thing, you know, raining, windy, <laughs> any tough conditions, uh, prefrontal conditions, they're a great bait to uh, even catch numbers or get big. And are you throwing, so you just mentioned a three-quarter ounce jackhammer. Are you throwing three-quarter ounce big bladed spinner baits? Is it, it, are the the are the majority, of your, you're not throwing a little Ned rig, you know, a little <laughs> TRD. Your shit, you're, are you specifically using bigger, heavier, gaudy, Lures yeah, when you're doing it. Because I try to target those bigger fish, you know. You you have uh I have some smaller, you know, finesse bladed spinner baits for you know, if I'm trying to I don't like using those big ones. If I'm like fishing docks or anything like that, mm. I like like War Eagle finesse spinner bait, in my opinion, is hands down the best spinner bait on the market for you know casting, trying to skip it underneath docks, anything like that. So I do have some of those smaller, more, you know, finesse tight spinner baits, but I use, uh, you know, anything over, you know, half ounce, half ounce, three quarter ounce in deeper water. I like the Z-Man spinner baits. They've just always been really good for me. Uh, I like the land at the bottom of them, slant it up because I like slow rolling it on the bottom mm-hmm. so, and down there. I, I'm a big I like being close. Like, I know a lot of people throw the jackhammer. They like cranking it in as fast as they can reel it. I like that thing kissing the bottom the whole time. That's just my favorite thing to do. I've caught a lot of big fish doing it. I've caught, you know, I've caught big fish, Kissimmee Toho, reeling that thing on the bottom in the mud than the person that was running the boat, you know, using the same exact bait. But those big fish are, you know, when they when they get, you know, you have some fish to stay midwater column, some fish who are on, you know, that are glued to the bottom. And more times than none, those ones on the bottom are the bigger ones. Oh, you said mud. So you're not bouncing them off the bottom on the sand or shell. You're fishing it on the mud bottoms and catching those fish. Okay, so East Cove back there, that Henderson is a big mud bottom lake. Uh you know, you, you let that thing go too, you know, you reel it too slow and you bring it up and it's got nasty, stringy, brown, pinky yeah. no. shit on there. So, yeah, I, I catch them. I don't necessarily have to have grass. You know, that goes back to having confidence in what you're doing. You know, I grew up on that lake, so I have a lot of a lot of hours invested in that place, you know. But you hear a lot with Florida is in, in kind of in fishing in general, like mud bottoms aren't where you want to catch the fish. You're looking for the harder bottoms, the rock, the sand, the pebble. 
Yeah. And so for you to say mud, that's that's interesting to me, at least, because I'd imagine that you're looking for those cleaner, sandy bottoms to do that. You are if, if there's not bait there to keep those fish there. You know what I mean? So, you know, fish are going to go, no matter what, going to go where the bait is. So we have a big shad spawn going on right now. And uh, back there in the cove, you know, there's a bunch of shad back there. So generally all year long they're back there. But this time of year, it doesn't matter what the bottom is. Those fish are going to be there because they're falling mm-hmm. bait. So people have the misconception of if you cast out and you get mud on your worm or whatever, mm-hmm. no good. But that's that's not the case. You know, you take, and that's that's going back to flipping. I can't tell you how many times I flipped into a mat that's, you know, six inches deep and the fish's back should have been out of the water and it's all mud. And I caught, you know, seven, eight pounders. That shit happens. You know, Panasaki, when that lake gets low, you flip mats up against brush, there's a foot of water there, maybe, and you're catching, you know, six to ten pounders out of no water. Like you're thinking to yourself, then fish are under the mat sideways just so they're not out of the water. That's how shallow I've caught them. That 10 pound mm. caught uh, over the weekend, maybe in a foot and a half of water. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're lucky to catch it because your girlfriend was doing a poor job at netting it. Yeah, she can hear you too. She, yeah. she, she, I, she I, I, hey, that's fine. I'm, at, I'm in North Carolina. That's fine. She can hit you if she needs to hit anybody. Yeah, <laughs> like and she and she might. You gotta watch out. You got, <laughs> you got a little little stab happy, you know, sticking. The I, I would I would love to see a beer bottle or a can come flying right past Justin's face. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> <laughs> hey honey, hey honey, get me a beer. Whack, smacks him up against the face. Beer goes everywhere. That'd be the greatest. That'd be the second greatest thing to ever have on this podcast. You want to talk after about Joe Barbara? Yeah. Hey, that'd be a good TikTok. If we were talking about Blaine's little lady, that'd probably happen. Hey, <laughs> easy. My, she it. might hear us. <laughs> she's gonna listen to the podcast, I'm sure. Right, Blaine? Oh yeah, oh yeah. She she she's actually really supportive. Every time I'm on something. I, I always tend to talk about her, so she always has to listen to make sure I'm not bad mouthing. <laughs> well, you're screwed tonight, buddy. Hey, Blake, do you have any more questions for Justin, or do you have any funny stories? Anything we missed because we're about to get into the shotgun round. Oh, the shotgun round. Yeah, honestly, man, I, I think he's covered a lot of the stuff that we had to get into about owned a ton of boats, cocky as hell, knows Florida like the back of his hand. Man, we get it. And, uh, I mean, it goes to show. I mean, dude, the, the dude wins almost. I mean, he's in the it, – It's. I will text him and be like, what the hell happened if I see his name out of the top five? I mean, that just goes to say. He's got that area on a leash. And, I mean, dude, I, now what he needs to do is come back to South Carolina and let's try yeah. and do this all over again. Hell to the fucking no. No, we need, we, need to get him, we need to get him more well-rounded. That's it. Yeah. Got to get him out of Florida, baby. Yeah. Yeah, no, what I heard you say was is both of y'all need to make a trip down to Florida so you can catch some real fish. Man, I, I, dude, I would I would I would love to. I would love to. I'm okay. you know what? I'd be there tomorrow if 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 anytime not if I could, but if I wanted to, but I've got some other shit that that anytime makes me not really want to. to. Come down here, dude. You're more than welcome to stay with me for free. You got a place to stay, do whatever you want to do. 
Be care, be careful now. Be careful now. I, I, I come down there. I start cooking for people. My, my real question is, if, if, if you do go down there and say you catch a ten pounder, how many Alex's is a ten pound bass? Oh, I don't know how much he weighs, which is kind of skewed right now because, you know, he's been very active. In, in the Coast Guard recently, so he's I'm very non-active in Motel 6s. Yeah, he's, he's skinny. So let's ask this question in a year after he's been retired for like eight, nine months and see gotcha. how much weight his he, little, he might fare little, little short ass better. is put on. He could be running around here looking like me and Justin over here, you know, plump, <laughs> plump, plump, and I can't, he ain't ever going to be handsome, but he'll be plump. <laughs> well, let's get into it, man. Let's see what the shotgun round has to hold. Justin, this is the shotgun round. And let me tell you something about the shotgun round on Bass and Brews. We're asking you a question. We don't need a thinking. We don't need a well ums. We don't need, you know, any kind of explanation. We need an answer. We're going to ask you a question. They're, they're pretty fucking simple. I'm going to tell you right now. They are simple. We pretty much give you the answers that you need to answer. You just choose one. Now, after you choose it, if we don't agree, we'll chastise you, and maybe you need to go into why you chose a shitty answer. But this is this is simple. I ask a question, I give you most of the answers, and you know it's, it's yes or no, or I give you the answer, so you answer it. It's, it's that simple. Do you understand the rules of this game? Absolutely. He's gonna fuck this up. He answered yeah, he that is. way too. He he was way that, he, no the, way the too confident. Question. Crocs or flops? Flops. This man done fucked up the shotgun round <laughs> on the first question. So How does the man in Florida wear flip flops? Man, you're sweating so much, you're getting in the gunk. Y'all slippery and slidey. Uh, well, if you can wait, keep wait, wait, right. wait, wait, wait. It's okay, Justin. Flops is always the answer we get from boat guys because they don't ever have to get the feet wet anymore. Yeah, but I don't even care about that. But I, what I can't stand is, is when you got to get in the water or anything in Crocs, sand gets in between your feet and the cro- I ain't about all that. I can't stand that. Can't do it. I'm not, and they're not they're not that comfortable. I don't care what you guys say. You can go fuck yourselves. They are not that comfortable. <laughs> Look, I'll wear my Crocs from the truck to the ramp. I put my boat in the water. I take my Crocs off, and them bitches don't come back on exactly. until I need to so- take the boat. Go Back. stand front deck of a boat for nine hours, and then you tell me you still want to wear Crocs. Oh, no, I'm going to be barefoot. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. flip-flops are easy. Yeah, I got permanent we, flip-flop tans on my feet. If you, try to put a, if you try to pull a kayak, kayak up out the boat ramp back to your truck and flip-flops that have been wet, your feet's going to be sliding out of them and slipping. I and I did that in South Carolina. Yeah, see – See, you let this man go on the Broad River and flip flops, and that's why he failed. Yeah, that's why he failed. Man, but the, the flip flop tan is the flip flop tan is just arrows to point the direction to walk when you've had a too, few too many beers. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's for. So, I'm scared to ask you more questions. Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? No. Hell, All right. agree. All right. All right. I, I like that answer. We can live that. You gonna spend more on a rod or a reel? Rod. I if he would have said reel doing what he does in Florida, I would have understood. Not, not me. Hell no. I he should have said a rod, but you got to have you can't feel 
you can't take a $50 rod and feel that tick in eight, 18 inches of, of weeds and grass and muck. But you can't take but, a $50 rod and flip a two-ounce weight either. And you damn sure can't pull the fish out of it. On the flip side, <clears throat> I took a reel with ceramic gears down there, and after a week of flipping and pitching, my shit was so stripped out and ready to die. Blaine, there you don't you don't have to crank the drag down to the point that the reel has no more clicks left in it. But yeah, you do. <laughs> so so uh, I'm uh I, I'm a big drag person. I, I feel like you absolutely have to have it, even flipping. Um, I really, as soon as it sounds, I don't even click my bail over. I set the hook on a fish wide open, and I thumb it. Mm-hmm. My bail's wide open because I have that's, so. Much- that's old school shit right there. That's some old school. That's some old school Florida flipping shit right there. You look. That's control control over the fish. You you just became Randy Blockett's hero. So I learned from uh, a guy who just passed away a few years ago, Glenn Brown. Uh, he fished the FLW Tour. You can watch videos on him. He's won a bunch of the FLW. Uh, he passed away from cancer. But uh, one of the greatest flippers to walk the face of the earth. And uh, I got taught that by him, and that that's a, a – a big thing that's helped me land a lot of fish, in my opinion. You know, you flipping a mat, you set the hook, you have your drag cinched down like a lot of people think you have to. That fish is pulling hard. It's in the mat still, going through stuff, and lo and behold, it pulls off because there was no give there. But if I flip into a mat, put my thumb there, set the hook, and let my thumb off of it a little bit, and the fish, you know, does what it's going to do, and it has – you know, back bad things like Blaine had to hand line a six and a half pounder in for me because <laughs> tangled up. I flipped in the mat, set the hook, my thumb slipped, my line tangled up, and I, I literally looked at Blaine. And I said, My line's fucked up. And he ran to the front and he's hand lining it in. The good partner. Six, yeah, six and a half pounder hand lined it in. But more times than none, it has positive effects for me. I, and it, I, I don't, I don't do that kind of fishing. We ain't got no grass up here. The grass we got up here is in like half an inch of water, and the carp have eaten it all by the summertime. But that, that is interesting because that is an old school thing. I mean, and, and we'll go, we'll talk about Randy Blockett talks about free spooling a spinning reel, like yeah. not using the drag. But yeah. I know you don't use those damn spinning reels down there. But in general, but the the, the you, it still stands, but learning how to do that, man, you got to catch and lose a lot of fish to be proficient. You got to have somebody teach you that stuff, but it makes sense, right? And I'm sure that a lot of old school Florida anglers, that's exactly what they do. Yeah. They probably don't, they, they that's, they're, they're free spooling it and letting it roll. People think that they're flipping and they're not, they're pitching. That's right. There's a huge difference, Absolutely. huge difference. Absolutely. And we talked about this. If y'all go back and listen to the podcast with Slab Dynasty, we talked about the difference in pitching and flipping. Yeah, so I I can't stand that. You know, you get people that I'm talking to, oh, yeah, I was flipping. And I'm like, you weren't flipping, you were pitching. Flipping 
if you ain't got a bow in your line, <laughs> you ain't doing shit. You, you're pitching. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, there's a time and a place to do both. Uh, you know, I think if you're around brush and, uh, uh, you know, stuff like that, flipping is what you want to be doing, not pitching. But when you're on, you know, those big hydrilla mats, you know, we're pitching. You know, there, there's so much area. You don't have time to sit there and to do all that. But even pitching, I still fish free spool. I still set the hook like that. You yeah. know, uh, that video that I took with Blaine that he got all on GoPro, you can see every single one of my hook sets. After I set the hook, you can clear as day, hear my reel, click over. Well, not just that. You watch the rod tip, and it starts out doubled over, and then as you release it, it kind of comes back a little bit. Mm. I noticed that on every one, and everyone will mistake that for a shitty hook set, and it's not. It's calculated. You watch every fish. Blaine knows because he took them off or grabbed them for me. They were pegged directly on the top of the mouth, buried, and they weren't coming off. Everybody has the notion that you have to absolutely crack a fish in the mouth. You You don't have to. I don't, I don't swing hard. Like I said, watch that video. You know, it, it's more of a, uh, it's more of a lean back and yeah, know, it's like, a lot like a drop shot hook set. And the whole key is when you slack line them like you want to, when you drop that line down, that ounce and a half, two ounce weight goes yep. right down into their mouth. And nine times out of ten, that fish just spits it straight out. Same thing with the drop shot. You let that line go slack. That weight pulls down on the bottom of their mouth. They feel it. They spit. It is a Feel the bite immediately. Yeah. Lean back into it. And if you haven't done it a whole lot, you know you don't uh, really know. But if you flip into a mat and you get bit in- instantly, you don't have time to sit there and do all that shit. So Reeling I, down and oh, let me let him get it. <laughs> I took what I got taught and I adapted to it, and, and that's what I do. You know, it's very in, in this day and age, it's very unconventional. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's not – it works. It works for me. I'm really good at it. I'm very efficient with it. I don't lose a lot of fish doing it. You know, so it's just – it plays to how I like to do it. And like I said, I have a ton of control over what's going on. And Seth Fighter has a really good video on hook sets in grass, and he explains it and breaks it down real well too. That's on Wired and Fish. I know the answer to this next question, but because Alex puts it in here, we have to ask it. In a three-hour session, five two-pounders and one seven-pounder. Five two-pounders or one seven-pounder? And a, Oh, my God. They'll have to ask it again. I mean, I thought yeah. you heard one seven-pounder and was good, just going to say it. Yeah. In, in a three-hour session, do you want to catch five two-pounders or one seven-pounder? One seven-pounder. There you go. I mean, yeah, we don't even need to talk about that shit. I mean, God dang. A two-pounder to him, a two-pounder to you, you're probably, like, kicking the fish and throwing it and, you know, all kinds of – I literally catch myself. Like, I flip into the mat and I set the hook and I catch a two-pounder and I look at it and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing in there? (laughs) (laughs) You know? All right. Wacky rig or Texas rig? Texas rig. Slow jams or hype music? Hype music. Do you listen to music on the water, or is this something you listen to on the way to the water? I listen to music on the water. Oh, man. Shit. See, I don't listen to shit on the water. There I don't know bullet, by... His bullet had a box built above. Well, he said he said he had a system in it. Yeah, like a hot foot. 
blow your fucking eardrums out. I, I, a buddy of mine built a box for me. I had uh, four crescendo eight and a half in there, two super. Good lord. Uh, and a 1200 watt uh, amp. And so, so when you were coming down the lake, people thought it was a damn wake boat, and then you show up and start fishing. I'm like, look at this asshole. No, I don't show up. I, I blew the doors off of them at fucking 95 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. You're an old man ranger boat yeah, going 72.5. I, I blow the doors off of them at 70 now. <laughs> All right. Have you ever eaten beaver? No. Y'all got beavers down there, don't you? You need to kill one, smoke it just like you would a barbecue Boston butt. Delicious. <laughs> you don't believe me? No. When y'all come up North Carolina, let me find a beaver. I'll feed you one. I believe you. Do you eat largemouth bass? Hell no. What the fuck is wrong with you? You're from Florida and you don't eat bass? No. Why? Because I just... Sport fishermen, that's just it. But, I, but you got to take them little two-pounders out of there or one yeah, day in your day in life, they ain't going to be nothing but two-pounders left. of people who do that right now. I don't need to be one of them. And listen... If it ever came down to I had to eat, like, catch fish to eat, sure, yeah, I'll eat them. But I'm not doing that. They're, they're like, bass are like my kids. They're like little, you know. So you, you come to my house, you come to my house, and my son, when we catch fish to eat, my son wants them gutted, and then he wants them cooked, he wants the head on them. You man. come over to my house, we're going to deep fry some bass. You going to eat them? No. Then your ass going hungry. Your ass gonna be eating damn. Now, your ass gonna be eating some hush puppies. That's the only thing you get. Now I do. You know we we go out and uh, spec fish. Uh, we we call sure. those crappy, Paul. Hey, they're, they're, they're <laughs> or if you listen to Paddler's Playbook episode that dropped today, we talked about the sakale, the sack of milk. Yeah. So we we uh, with the coochie again. We religiously limit out there. You know we go out and jigging. We just came with what kind of coochie? <laughs> with the coochie. With a coochie? Yeah, it's a river. Oh, oh, I thought you said with the coochie, y'all go. I was I was trying to figure out the hell the hell we're talking about here. You talking about a river. I thought yeah. okay, okay. I thought we went I thought we were going out catching crappy with a coochie. I was trying to figure out who that was. Um, <laughs> um 60. 60, 70 of them, you know, and uh, well, I eat the hell out of them, but I, I ain't eating no bass. I just, well, you come to my house, your ass gonna eat some bass. That's all I got to tell you. I've, I've eaten them. We got a, we got a, a property up in Georgia. We got 18 acres over in Rankin. And, uh, okay. um, we got ponds there. You know, when I was a kid, I used to catch them and eat them, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I think they're delicious, and I could flay a bass and flay a crappy. And fry them up. Suspect. All these, all these people talk about they could tell the difference. I guarantee you, couldn't tell no difference in them damn fish. It's a speck. Ain't no way. Hey, if I'm on this podcast, everybody's gonna call them a speck. You know, fuck crappie in here. No, no. I, I know. I told you at the beginning, this, this is your podcast. But when you start to say what a something or another is or ain't, 
I rule the roost. It's Even Alex knows that. Even Alex knows that. When it comes to vernacular for bass and brews, the jabber hammer rules just- all, ends all. Look, look. See, if you want to argue, Justin, this is what happens. Justin goes away if he wants to argue. He goes back to the to the to the waiting room. <laughs> All right. This is the last question. Now, this is the question that makes or breaks careers. Oh, Bass and Bruce. Oh my Lord. Who has a Jesus gotta be Blaine fucking yeah, up with something? You know it's Blaine. Yeah, it is. Look, he why is he so shiny? LED light bulb and bad skin. Yeah. Oh, I'm sitting under two LED light bulbs in a 105 degree garage right now with with no air. Uh, anyway, I ain't that shiny. Look, Blaine got a big old um, uh, birthmark on his face, and when he first came on, I didn't see it the last time he was here. And I was like, "Damn, dude, your wife gave you a hickory either beat you in the face with a bat or something." Damn, what the hell happened to you? So, oh, it's a birthmark. I'm like, okay. All right, back to the question. These this makes or breaks a career. We we've had some folks that have answered this question pretty poorly, and and some have have gone on to still have decent careers in life, and some haven't. So you don't need to think about the answer. You just answer it, right? That's what I told you when we started this. Yep. Anglers love sandwiches. It don't matter if you eat them on the water or at the house. We love sandwiches. Mm-hmm. What are your top three sandwich proteins? Uh, roast beef, um, bologna, or ham, and that's that's a country. That's some country shit right there, man. We don't get a lot of bologna, but you're damn right. We're gonna yep. cook, we're gonna fry up some bologna. We're gonna cut slits in all four corners. Yeah, north, south, east, and west, and we're gonna fry it to the end. To the sides are. Super crispy and it folds up. My old lady's a fried bologna and you fucking fool. <laughs> Oscar Mayer, do y'all get the good bolognese? I don't know what you buy. I just eat it. And it's, <laughs> it's not the cheap shit because I, I'm very, uh, like, I don't know. I can eat it, but if I don't have to, I ain't going to fucking do it, you know? Yeah, I love good blo- Those are good, safe answers. Nothing, nothing spectacular. Nothing exciting, but they are good, safe, safe answers. Well, what's a bad answer for that? So we've had we had one guy uh, say cheese, not as a condiment, not as an, an additive, just cheese. Uh, we had we had a a, uh, a semi famous podcaster say spinach, like not not as like that was one of his answers, spinach. As a sandwich um, protein, yeah. So I mean, you know, we've had we've had some bizarre ass shit on here, man. I mean, those those are the two funny ones. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that is true. That's funny that you say that. You know, I do. I eat sandwiches like a. I t- today I ate a, a sub for breakfast from Subway. <laughs> really, we leave uh, Griffin and we went to the river on Panasofsky for like an hour and a half just to look at it. We stopped by the gas station. There's like a little deli gas station right there on the corner. Get a fucking sub for lunch. Like I literally ate two subs today. This <laughs> man won't this man won't eat large mouth bass, but he'll eat a fucking subway sandwich. From a gas station. Hey, fuck you guys. <laughs> 
Wait, wait. I might be confused. Did you eat Subway or you ate a sub sandwich from a gas station? I ate Subway this morning and then I ate See, a See, that's what I'm saying. This man won't eat largemouth bass, but he'll go to Subway and get a, a sandwich. I, that, to me, that that's dumbfounding, man. Like that's at, that that's just the dumbest shit I have ever heard. But but that that's like you know it's in a Circle K, so you're either gonna eat a Circle K sub or you can walk right over to the Subway counter there and get a way better sandwich than. But that. I I would I would eat I would eat the Eat. dirt off the, the Circle K floor before I ate the Subway sandwich. Oh, shit. If y'all want a good sub and you have a Sheets gas station near you, no, Sheets I'm... gas station subs are absolutely fucking delicious. <coughs> and when you order a meat sandwich, when you, the boat, they lay it on. Dude, it I'm telling you. nothing like getting the Sheets. But that sheet sub is, and it's big. That bitch is like eighteen inches. I learned what sheets were whenever I went up to visit my brother in Virginia like three weeks ago. Never had, had them before, but they're good. All right, look, man, they they their sub sandwiches is good. I ain't never even heard of that shit. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Sheets. I think sheets is. Uh, well, North- I, I don't. I don't know where exactly it is because when you get into the Charlotte area of North Carolina. It's all quick trips, QTs. And QT's a good gas station too. They got some good hot meals there. We have Wawa. And- Wawa. That's like our best gas station. Wawa. I'm gonna go I, yeah, I wanna go eat somewhere that sounds like a baby. <laughs> uh hey, they have good sandwiches. I, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's some kind of baby shat that shit out. I mean, that you're getting guacamole, right? Yeah, yeah, right. The bad part is the name's Wawa, and their mascot is a goose. <laughs> the geeses. The Wawa geeses. <laughs> All right. Angels. Hey, hey, Justin, do you have any sponsors, or do you have anybody close to you that you love, that you want to shout out, anything like that? Uh, just uh, Chris at 44 Tackle. uh he takes care of me, you know, uh, you know, what started out as me buying stuff from there, you know, spending a ridiculous amount of money uh, turned into a lifelong friendship. You know, we spend a lot of time together. Uh, we play Call of Duty every day, pretty much for the most part. We talk every day uh, and he takes care of me, uh, obviously, you know, equipment wise. Um, but, yeah, just just him and, and, and myself. I'll shout myself out. Yeah. yeah, so he's fuck like, your girlfriend, like huh? Bobby your girlfriend, your girlfriend, your girlfriend don't matter. You don't right. love her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but that's so. I mean, that's good. The the fishing that you're doing down there, and and how you're, I, I would assume, I'm guessing in the future, you, you keep doing what you're doing locally, and you're gonna have you're gonna have some people that are gonna approach you for for yeah. I'm for, just- really reached out to try to network with it you know what i mean i'm so busy in you know my everyday life that it's just not something that i've kind of ventured out to do and i know at some point i will when i can fish you know the bfls or the opens you know the bass opens that's that's what i want to do um but i haven't i haven't gotten there yet or uh 
So once I get, you know, my business to where it can function without me, then, uh, you know, I'm going to look towards that. Um, and I'm well, sure and, and, no problem with it, but. Yeah. And your aspirations, I mean, getting up there and going to, to catch 12 pounds with Blaine at Murray, <laughs> that's going to help you in the future. So you might hate it, but if you're going to fish the opens, you look at the lakes that they're fishing and you know those are going to be some of the those are going to be some of the the turd tournaments that you got to go up there and grind through. Yeah, you know what sucks is wrapping your mind around wasting a week of vacation to go up to that fucking shithole. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh my god! This this man wants to drain Lake Murray. Oh, dude, so bad. He wants to drain Lake Murray and and like put a parking lot in it. Yep. <laughs> that motherfucker could dry up tomorrow and it would not hurt my feelings whatsoever. You know, it's just the biggest thing that I look at. And it's, and it's not just because I went there once and didn't do good. You know, that, that place is known for being it's tough. Yeah. Being very tough. So when I think of a week vacation, you know, all these, <laughs> all these bodies of waters that I've fished, you know, that, that's. That's the last fucking thing that pops in my mind, you know? Yeah. Don't go to Hartwell then. Just don't go to Hartwell. Don't go to Hartwell. Or Norman. Or Norman. Don't take your ass to Norman either. Oh, I know all about that fucking place. Um, And and he's, you know, Santee, another big thing. But again, you know, Santee, you're going to spend a week there and fucking knock the hole I would be willing to bet if you spend a, a week at Santee and you fish sun up to sundown at Santee, I guarantee you, you'd feel you'd figure that lake out. Oh yeah, that lake that lake fits that fits. You're fits not book, you're man. not yeah you're not chasing stupid stupid shit out there. You're not yeah that you would figure lake. that place out. I got a lake about thirty minutes from me, Lake Rousseau. That's exactly like Santee. Giant stump field. It's a man-made mm. lake. And there's a huge stump field. It's got a channel in it. Same, same exact scenario. Period. And, yeah, you uh, could, yeah, you'd figure that out. Yeah, we spent well, there. Blaine, anybody you want to shout out, dude? Anything new? Uh, we didn't get to talk about it much, but y'all, if you're not following Blaine, follow Blaine. He has been tearing them up at night, just fun fishing. But he's also been cashing some checks down there locally on some of their little Wednesday and Tuesday or whatever weeknighters they're having. So follow him. He's been putting up some big bags and uh, he's, he's just a funny dude to to follow as well. And if you're in the South Carolina area in the Lake Murray area, Blaine, tell us about what you're doing with some kayak stuff, dude, man. I, you know, I do, I I help run tournaments. I'm a, I'm a tournament director with Palmetto state kayak bass fishing, Um, smaller group still, trying to grow um you know we got multiple sponsors this year moving a little bit forward on an app and everything so man i'm just i'm doing what i can to help grow that scene and uh you know everything's been pretty good so outside of that man i just want to thank new canoe that helps me do what i do and uh you know they're at icast this week and i don't know if y'all have seen but some pretty cool stuff's been dropping out of icast so that'd be something to watch yeah I don't know if you saw it, Justin. They've uh, Picasso dropped shaky heads with the willow vibe blade on the front of it. So I know that doesn't do a whole lot for you down there, but up here that might change some stuff. 
Yeah, I, I like their Alabama rigs. They make some pretty pretty neat A rigs. Uh, I run a couple of theirs uh, along with Shane's Bates makes yeah. Alabama rigs. Yeah, that's pretty local to us, so we know all about some Shane's Bates. Yeah, the Dominator, the Shane's Bait Dominator is my favorite Alabama rig, hands down. Period. Yeah. So, Good deal. Paul, anything you want to say to wrap us up? Yeah, man. I mean, thank you for uh, coming on. I, I'm a little taken aback. Blaine just took over the podcast and oh, like so and like he he no no you actually you, you actually said something that has some sus, sustenance to it and uh, I did my job. You, you just you I, I'm, I'm I feel so proud. I feel so proud. I feel like you just broke out of your shell today. Yeah, man. Well, everybody's got to become an adult eventually, and I just feel like it's kind of part of it, you know. I, well, you know, get a haircut, and that's the next step. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My hair used to be long as hell, too. Look, uh, Justin, thank you for coming on, dude. This was awesome. This was fun. I, I guess it was uh, maybe last week or a week and a half ago that I reached out, and Blaine said, I got somebody. Actually, it was a while ago I reached out to Blaine, and then it was a week and a half or whenever it was ago. I said, all right, dude, we got to get set up. Let's do it. And, you know, he told me who you were, so I started following you on the Tic Tac and the Instagram. And I did not get with you on Facebook, but I'll do that because it sounds like you put a little more stuff on that. Thank you for, for coming in and talking and, and sharing your story and sharing Florida fishing. Like, this is a podcast that that if people remember it and the way that we title it, I'm, a, I'm guessing earlier in the year, with our listeners and, and some of the folks that we hang out with, when these Florida tournaments start back up, like this would be a good time to have this, to kind of revisit this podcast because there's probably a lot of information here that folks can take down there with them. Um, but I'm, I'm glad we did it now because I'm glad we got connected. You, know, you do catch some big fish. Uh, what you're doing down there is really interesting, and, and you're successful. I mean, you see it in your tournament winnings and fish you're catching. So thank you for coming on and spending time with us. Blaine, thanks for setting it up, buddy. Thanks for being a guest co-host. It's always talk, great to talk to another Carolina boy. Yes, sir. And we're going to get this stuff set up where you and I at least sometime fish. And when Justin heads back up this way, we won't subject him to those those shitty lakes up there. We'll bring him to my shitty lakes in the Raleigh area. So really, actually, no, man. Look, my uh, I had a buddy. I had a buddy that would have had thirty pounds yesterday on Jordan. He, he lost a couple, but he ended up with over twenty-seven uh, cranking. And jo- Jordan, me and Blaine were talking about this earlier. Jordan Lake is is MLF did a lot of justice for it, but because the leaps don't come, it's just it just can't hold that many boats. Man, that lake is something else. They'll catch, they're putting up 32, 33-pound bags uh, in the springtime here. Which I mean, there's there's big fish that you can catch here for sure. I call that 8-6, uh, I think it was, this past February. So you come up here, I mean, this there's it's, it's tough. And this time of year, is, it can be offshore. It can be 18 foot of water, 15 foot of water. It could be a little bit of shallow in the mornings. It depends, but... Yeah, we'd love to get you up here. But thank y'all for your time very much. I really appreciate it. We're going to roll this out. Y'all hang out. Don't sign off yet. Look, guys, thank y'all for listening to this episode of Bass and Brews. Go check out Hooks at Hoodlums. Got great gear. They do seasonal gear. 
They got some old school hats back in. Just announced today. Go check them out. You can use code HEELS10, H-E-E-L-S-10 to get your 10% discount. We thank you for listening. Till next time. Hey, hey.